What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Al Sigity Sauce. Welcome back to the uh, Sauce Talk Podcast. Today's guest is one of the strongest men I've ever met in my life. He's a great friend, a hardworking man, a loving father, a train enthusiast, a musician, and he's uber resilient, amongst other things. The words give up aren't even close to being a member of his vocabulary. This man has overcome some challenging adversities that I couldn't even fathom encountering myself. Although he's been to hell and back, he still manages to maintain his humor as he is ruthlessly hilarious. Well, he's here today to share his story, and I can't wait to dive in. Welcome today's guest, Scott Lupia, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know who you just uh, introduced, but that wasn't me, so I'm getting up. You, I'm, getting, my, I'm out of here, man. The, the GOAT. Listen, man, it's a pleasure to have you. Cheers. Cheers, Al. It's little, great to see you. little again. ice shake. Welcome to the Alcade. I love it. This is uh, there's a hell of a lot of energy in here. I like this. Yeah, a lot of uh, electromagnetic fields as well. That's perfect. It's good for you. Fresh tubes next to you, some joysticks, <laughs> yeah. well, dartboard above your head. I'm past the childbearing age, so uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> well, it's great to see you, man. I really got to say I miss working with you. you know. Oh, God, yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun time, man. That, that yeah. was probably like the highlight of my career when I was holding that Gladstone job and Likewise, like, man. When we were, you know, hanging for that hour or whatever it was up in the engineer's room. Yeah, likewise. You, you were one of the good ones, man, you know? And like we just, you know, talked about Kenny earlier, you know, rest in peace to Kenny Leisler. Like, it's a, it's a shame, but, you know, it's you, you definitely were one of the good ones. And it's a shame we don't have you around anymore. But it is what it is, you know? Well, I, I miss being there, but uh, I don't miss being there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So. So it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, basically. But, um, I mean, you have some insane stories. You've been through so much. And, you know, I got to say, I'm, <clears throat> I'm very, very impressed with you. Uh, you, your attitude towards life, you know, your drive to not give up and to just keep moving forward. And I really, I'm very impressed and I'm very proud of you, man. Well, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that, you know, that means a lot because, uh, yeah, you know, a lot has happened. But, uh, a lot. You know, I, 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 got no choice i gotta do this there's a little five-year-old who yeah got you know, she's, what's her name again isabella uh she's so she's adorable man you could tell like i said to you earlier in pictures she loves her daddy man yeah she's uh, she's a ball buster I mean, so. <laughs> oh, like her fucking dad the biggest prankster i've ever met <laughs> yeah i uh, uh she'll she'll uh, hear all the stories about the what the you know what i used to do and yeah, 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 how I used to mess with people, and hopefully she can adapt that to her own. And uh, yeah, absolutely, she's she got a talented daddy, so uh, she's uh, she's gonna be interesting. She's right up there. We're gonna we're gonna be a, a great duo. Yeah, I'm sure, man. Uh, I can tell. But um, before we dive into some of your your life changing events that uh, has occurred to you, I want to start at a certain part of your life. Um, that I guess you could say from the beginning it managed to uh weave its thick strands through the fabric of your existence, if you will, you know, and uh, it has a lot to do with a lot of what you've experienced. So firstly, you grew up in New Jersey, right? Yeah. Where yeah. in uh, New Jersey? Whereabouts? Uh, Denville. 
I've been there all my life. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're still there currently. You're at the, actually the house that you grew up in, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to be able to get that. That's always kind of cool because like that, uh, that warmth, that nostalgia that most people have when they leave you know, their area, you, you have it for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's home. It's, there, there's, you know, there's nothing like coming home, and it's, yeah. that's my home. So I guess, I guess you could say, I guess we can call you, you're a train enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. With you, it's different <laughs> from my perspective. I don't, most people would call people that are train enthusiasts buffs, right? With you, it's different to me. You're not like the typical buff. I actually didn't even know when I first met you that you were into trains like that because you kind of <laughs> let it play the background. And if somebody plucks the right strings, then you'll start talking about it. And I appreciated that because usually buffs just throw this shit in your face. Yeah, that's, well, you know, at, at work, b- being where we were on the railroad, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, I'm loving what I'm doing and, you know, I'm all into it. But my, my first priority is to be a good engineer and, and do you know, do the best I can. And yeah. you just, you can't do that if you're, if you're occupied with, you know, yeah. the horse shit of just being stupid about it. And, uh, you can tell the guys that at work that are like that because they suck to work with. Yeah. They, they just, you know, they, they just, they can be just fucking dangerous. And, uh, I have no time for that. So that's kind of why sometimes I, I hate my own because they just, although they're not my own, but no, I, I know, you know exactly what, I mean? what you're saying. It's, it's embarrassing to, you know, to be sort of part of that crowd because of, how stupid they are, but Dude, that's what's funny about that. You would think that a train buff or a train enthusiast, whatever the proper yeah. terminology is, when they would become and get their dream job, that they would be good at it. Most of them are shit. No, nah, yeah, they 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 suck at life basically, and uh, you know they they found their way into trains. So now just because of that, they think they're going to go and you know be the be a conductor. And yeah, they're the worst. They're yes, yeah, uh, because because they're, they're coming constantly, so they're not focused. And they, yeah, they know everything about oh, you know, everything. And yeah, the hell with that. That's. But that, I was actually shocked when I found out that like you were into train. I was like, oh really? I would have never guessed because you just kept your cool. You were normal. So that's why I, I refuse to call you a buff. <laughs> I call you a train enthusiast. But um, that makes more sense. So yeah, yeah, I like absolutely. That. Take me back though. Um, when did your love first start with trains? As early as I can remember, um, my grandparents worked for the railroad, the, the same oh. railroad that you and I eventually worked for. Also, it was in your family. Yeah, I didn't they, know that. Yeah, okay. they, uh, yeah. So I, I grew up around it, like the railroad lifestyle in general. Um, you know, I had no idea what I was experiencing until I got on the railroad myself and and saw, you know, in my grandparents and my uncle, you know, I'm seeing now that the, the behavior that they exhibited, I get it and it makes sense. And it's, I don't know, it was a lifestyle that I, I really, really was a easy, it, I slid into it very easily. It was a no brainer. I mean, I I tried other. I was an architect before I joined oh, the really? railroad. Yeah, it, I you know I did five years at NJIT in the uh, architecture oh, no program. Shit. Worked for an architect, and you know it's hell with that. You know I, I can't sit in an office all day. I I gotta be out there and yeah. yeah it's and that that's you know that's what we do, man. We're out there. It's it's not it's not any type. But it's not. It's not a real job by like the the Webster Dictionary. Oh, uh, far from. It's, far from. It's it's an adventure every day. I mean, it's you know you might have a normal day, you might have the most effed up day. It you know it's a culture shock for sure if you came from like the private sector. Oh God, hell yeah! I mean, it's you know anything goes. I mean, you, you know you hear the uh, like the 
the textbook uh, idea of what customer service is, and you get out there and you realize, no, man, you can't. Yeah. This this isn't Walmart <laughs> where we're. No, man, it's it's a battlefield, and you know people are doing stuff that'll potentially get them killed, and sometimes you got to be their mommy or daddy, and. You know, you're going to be talking to some 40, 50 year old banker, you know, yeah. lawyer, whatever, like they're a child because they almost got themselves killed. Yeah, yeah. You know that that's that's one thing I'll never uh, forget. Um, this was a train story um, where where Will and I, who was Will was my conductor. Shout out, cowboy, <laughs> Mister uh, well, Mister Will. But uh, so we, we leave New York on. Uh, on a westbound train, and um, I I stop because I see a guy jump between the first car and the engine from the platform as I'm pulling out. Oh wow! So I stopped because I figured he's going to fall between the train and we're going to run him over, whatever. So while I'm waiting for um, the police to take care of that, uh, all of a sudden, you know, I, I don't see anything happening on the front end. Looking down the platform, I I, I hear on the radios. Um, my uh, the police and everybody is saying they got the guy and uh, we're okay to go and I'm thinking no there's there's you didn't get the guy I didn't even see you I figured yeah. they're on a wrong track or something so eventually they come to the front of the train and um they they we show them the guy they take him but they're like no this guy was he was on the end of your train clinging to it like like a cat on a screen door oh, like Jesus you know Christ and he was he was gonna ride the train home. On the on the rear end of this, he was going to hitch on it, yeah, and, and it, because he had to get home for his kids' uh, Halloween party. <laughs> I'm like, Yo, there's no way you would have survived that, man. There, there's, I, I'm, you know, there's no way you would have been killed. People and, have severe mental disabilities. But it's like, <laughs> he was like a, he was like a, you know, this guy's a professional, yeah. and you treat him like a four year old. Like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I mean, my daughter almost pulled the dresser over on herself the other day. Like, Oof. you know, I'm, we're talking to this guy like I'm talking to her. Like, you know, what are you doing? You're gonna hurt yourself. That's what's funny. I find that like on the railroad, you constantly treat adults like babies because they act like babies. It's they, unbelievable. They act like they people. Something happens to them when they get on the train. All of a sudden, they're just like there's. It's like you're in international waters. There's no law. It's you know it's, all logic goes it's out the, the window. wild west. You can do whatever you want. Gravity doesn't exist. I mean, they yeah, just it's weird, right? It's it's a special thing. It's like it's definitely unique to that. Yeah, I know to that field. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was gonna ask you, um. Growing up was working on the train, something you imagined, but you kind of already answered that by saying that you actually were doing other things first. So you kind of fell into trains after that. I always dreamed about being on the railroad, like, you know, being an engineer was like that. I mean, that's like, you know, some kid wants to be an astronaut. I feel sorry yeah. for him because, you know, you ain't going to be an astronaut. I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's like two of them and there's like three million. But so, yeah, you know, I was lucky. I, I was just, I always wanted to be an engineer. That was like it for me. And, uh, you know, actually being able to do that, it's like, who gets you know? Who gets to be that guy that you know yeah, gets yeah. to do to gets to live your dream every day? Yeah, because especially like me, for instance, I never, I wasn't really into trains. I thought they were cool, like I rode them and stuff, but I never like looked at it in the in the eyes of you, somebody yeah. like you, you know, like a train enthusiast. Um, so I just kind of like the idea came up, and I knew somebody, Tom Humphrey. Shout out to Titty yeah. Bar, Titty Bar Tommy. <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I never would have imagined it, so that's why I was always curious, like what it was like, you know, you know, for you. But besides that, since you've been at the train since you were a kid, you've been collecting and building model trains for 30 years. Is that correct? Yeah, since like, the, yeah, easily mid-80s, early 80s. Jesus. You said before you're, you're 47, right? Yeah. Wow, 30, 30 years of collecting trains. That's unbelievable. Do you remember the very moment when you decided that you wanted to start like uh, actually collecting them? Because I'm sure when you're a kid, 
being that your family is in the railroad, they were just gifting you like little model trains and lionels yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So do you know, like, do you remember there's a moment in your life where you were like, I want to collect these? Because I know there's a bunch for me. I collect a bunch of toys, so. I mean, you know, from, from like the earliest memory of being a kid, you know, you, you don't, you know, one, one toy is not good enough. You got to have all of them. So yeah, of know, course. Guess, as soon as like I, as soon as I like discovered that there's like model trains, I was like, you know, shit, I got to have it. I, I want it all, but you know, it's, I was, I was of making course, three yeah. bucks a week at home, taking the garbage out. So, yeah. you know, that three bucks in uh, 1980s money doesn't go so far. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the first piece you ever got? I know that's probably tough to remember. You probably got multiple at the same time. But. I think like the first actual good thing I got was like a uh, mid '80s Lionel train set that like by Tate's. Oh, like a whole set. Like crap, yeah. Yeah, would it have like multiple cars in it? Or? Yeah, yeah. It was you know engine, a bunch of cars, and a caboose and track and stuff. Oh, sick! If you could pick, even now, like at, at forty-seven years of age, is there is there a favorite piece? A uh, model engine or a car that you have in your collection that you would say like this is my favorite shit ever. Yeah, you know, as far as the models go, not really. I mean, but, you know, I, I build a lot of stuff, and I, I'm into the sort of like the artistic end of weathering paint to, yeah. to burn marks and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like the you know the latest project I've done is usually like my favorite piece. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah from an artistic standpoint, do you um do you have a particular brand? That you stay close with, like Lionel Athern or Bachman, if I'm pronouncing those correctly? Yeah, no, nah, you know, I just, I, I, there's no particular brand. It's uh, basically, you know, whatever is sort of suits my needs, you know. At the I'll time. Go. Yeah, and, you know, if it's not 100% what I want, I'll, I'll make it be what yeah, I yeah. want. That's, That's the beauty know. of being a creative. Yeah. <clears throat> I need you to do me a favor here. Yeah. Can you break down the various train skills for me and what they mean because it always confused the hell out of me. I'm a fan of like graffiti and stuff. So yeah. a lot of graffiti artists buy model trains and they'll like paint on them and sell them as kind of like a canvas, you know? Oh, that's cool. But they do like HO scale is probably like the most popular one. Yeah. But there's other ones yeah. that do other scales. What the fuck does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. I don't know where the hell they got the, it's the a size from. thing, right? Yeah, it's the size basically. Like, you know, your typical Lionel train is O gauge. Okay. And then like HO, you know, they say it stands for half O because it's roughly half the size of O scale oh, trains. that's why it's HO. Yeah. Well, See, I didn't know this. That's man. what they say. I don't know, but yeah, it's good enough for me. It's what I'll tell my daughter. So how many scales are there besides those two? There's a couple more, no? There's, uh, there's a whole bunch. I mean, there's, there's, you What's know. What's the, the smallest scale? The, the smallest, I think, is like Z scale. And that's like, like what, a couple inches? Yeah, like, you know, a pencil is like a train. It's like it's a Hot small. Wheels or a micro. That's small and more, smart than that. Small, uh, like oh, the wow. micro train, uh, the micro uh, machines remember those little metal yeah. cars they were like close to end scale cars oh wow that's small yeah those are smaller than that oh okay and they have like narrow gauge which is like a you know our railroad is four foot eight and a half gauge that's the width of the rails well narrow is like 30 inches on center so it's it's different oh so the gauge goes by the size of the the width of the yeah. rail yeah. Yeah. gauge interesting yeah standard gauge four foot eight and a half Interesting. So you learn something every day. That's what I always wanted to know. Because the scales always, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm not a train guy. Yeah. Even though I work on the railroad, I don't know much about that stuff. Oh, good. I, I relayed my information. <laughs> I can I can eliminate that and make room for something less important yeah, in right? my brain. It's it's limited at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, model train collecting is, is an interesting, it's a, it's a real fascinating world. Even though I'm not involved in it. I appreciate it because you know me. You've known me for years. I collect yeah. so much shit. You're sitting in one of my collections as we speak. So I collect yeah. <clears throat> tons, tons of stuff. 
you were big into something called kit bashing, right? Yeah. To the listeners that, you know, a lot of my listeners aren't going to know what any of this stuff is. So if you yeah. could, can you explain to them what kit, I know what kit bashing is, but can you explain to them what, uh, what that means? It's like, it's like taking a Volkswagen and attaching it to a Chevy to create something else. It's, you know, it's, you take something that exists, you modify the hell out of it and you turn it into something else. Yeah. Sick. You, you like doing that a lot? Oh, I love that. It's best. It's, it's the ultimate form of creativity. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, you see something in your mind and then, you know, you immediately look at all kinds of things around you and, and you see what they could be. Yeah, and, yeah. You know their potential to become what you want it to be. So it's like that. It's the ultimate form of like expression, power, and I mean yeah. you, you can change something completely. Yeah, and totally make it your own. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that do them um, because I collect a lot of like action figures and stuff, and that shit happens all the time. They do. Yeah. They make bootleg toys, and they'll take like a head from a Star <laughs> Wars uh, three three and a quarter inch, you know, like the old Kenner figures and stuff, yeah. and they'll bash like the body with the Hulk or something. You know, they do that stuff all the time. Yeah. So it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty cool. So it's cool how it, you know, even though they're different, totally different fields, you know, it's all the same language. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't there uh, some collector groups out there, model train collector groups um, that like treat, treat, I'm trying to word this correctly, um, have model sets and then they get together and treat it like real life scenarios. Oh yeah, and yeah. like hand out form D's and stuff like that. Yeah, these guys they they run their model railroad the way that a real railroad would be modeled. And I I mean I I get it, but I I don't get it. That's I mean, maybe, fucking crazy. I mean you know you and I did the work, so it's like the yeah. last thing I want to do is work in my basement or whatever. Yeah, that's know? some real foamer shit. Yeah, that's uh, that's the real deal, Holyfield, right there. It's it's easy to pick those guys out in a crowd. Yeah, yeah, I heard uh, somebody has the entire M and E in their in their basement. That is the rumor, but uh, that is that is not true. I oh, have so you know seen what I'm it. Talking about? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it myself, and uh, it, it's not. Nice, oh, you've seen it? Yeah, I've, I've been to his place. Yeah, is that like, really like that? It's really because like, it, it's amazing, but it's not like it, it's not what everybody says it is. It's not like one for one, like no, straight it, up. It's not. It's not where we worked. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild though. Yeah, <clears throat> in 1998. You started, if I'm correct, you started the business KV Models. Yeah. Can you explain to the listeners what KV Models is and what your the business is that you started in '98? It started. It's it's a model railroad manufacturer. Um, that's I, I started back in '98. I, I produced a kit so people could build something that didn't exist on the market, and um, you know that was like my start. And then it sort of went on hiatus where I didn't do anything with it, and. Um, all of a sudden, I got into detail parts for model railroads, like you know the little add-on things, like windshield wipers, sunshades, stuff like that. I I got into um, doing etched metal, and now I mean that's what the business is now. It's all etched metal detail parts. I I have hundreds of sets of these things that I sell. Wow. Yeah, because you have now. I guess this incorporates your your architectural. Uh stuff because you yeah. got to use CAD so you know how to use CAD very well and that can tr yeah. translates to the train stuff right yeah it's um I mean it's it's obviously the computer software um it, it's the drawing skills because you I am drawing the artwork that I send off to a manufacturer so you know you have to know how to draw it and what the manufacturer needs but it's it's I guess it's more of a way of thinking like the architectural 3D thinking where you know you're not you're not just thinking on one plane you know you're you're thinking if you if you're thinking a building it's got 30 stories and you know you're thinking 
out in that direction as well. So the ability to sort of see something on a piece of paper in in three dimension and figure out how to fold stuff and how to attach stuff and you know, how to build something from flat pieces of metal. That, oh my that's god! Like, and I mean, I used to be very good at that. Um, you know, I, my mind was sharp. I could I could do you know calculations in my head at the same time. At, you know, multiple things. And uh, you know, now nowadays it's it's a lot harder for me. Um, yeah, I just I lose my train of thought easily. But uh, yeah, you know that's uh, that that's something that I I really enjoy about it because it's it's just problem solving. I mean, it's it's a big puzzle and a lot of yeah. mathematics involved, no? Yeah, I mean, I I convert. I do everything in the metric system. Okay. So it's you know that's ten ten base or ten decimal whatever the hell base. So it's yeah. that's pretty easy. I mean, if you can count to ten, you can do it. It's not yeah. fractions or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, there's you're you're um, you know again you're 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 thinking if something is three scale feet, how many millimeters in the, is that in actual scale? So it's you know you're kind of like juggling just multiple things at once in your head. And yeah, yeah. I got to be in the right frame of mind to be able to do it. And I got gotcha. you. If if I'm not into it, man, it's it, it'll be an expensive mistake when I have the parts made and I see what I get. It's uh, yeah, it's still cool though because. You were an architect for a short, brief period, and it, it actually benefited you with this. Yeah, that's uh, well, that was one of my biggest concerns about you know leaving architecture to join the railroad. I I was throwing away a career and and you know an yeah. education basically for and, passion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was you know being a, a, a businessman, you know, boardroom type guy, and you know turning into a, a blue collar conductor, you know, just you know hourly wage person. But God, it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, you know. Leaving, leaving was uh, it was a big decision. It was hard to make. But yeah, but I mean, hey, it was worth it, it for, for a good portion of your life, yeah. It did work out. I wouldn't complain. You know what I like when it comes to architecture? The, 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 uh, the guys that really push boundaries and they're very artistic. You know that guy, what's his name? Frank Henry, is that his name? Or Frank Jomry or whatever? He Got does me. these crazy structures and buildings. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Geary, I think it is. Yes, yeah. Frank, that yeah. guy. So what's crazy about that guy is... Not only is he like one of the most like world-renowned architects, but he actually uh, designed fragrance bottles for for Louis Vuitton. That's cool. Yeah, that, and like the bottles sense. that I have was designed by him. If you got to see them, they're they're very simplistic, but they're so perfect. It's weird. I can't really describe. Like they have this nice magnetic cap. They're very classy, clean glass. Like they're just really cool. Well, I mean, every everyday objects are. It's you know, yeah. you you can you know you can turn something into a piece of crap, or you can make it beautiful. You know, it's yeah. it, it doesn't have to be ugly just because it's you know a, a bottle or something. Yeah, so that's, yeah, I love that. That's cool. Well, you know, I'm a fragrance guy. So. I know. I I love the reviews. And LV does. You know, they do some exceptional stuff, and they collaborate with exceptional artists. He did. Um, they have a particular fragrance collection called. Uh, I forget the name of the collection something but it's the x high collection so it's like it's like all the like the more potent uh higher oil concentration fragrances they're supposed to be like yeah. stronger last longer so the caps of these same bottles but the cap is kind of like as if you took like like a crumbled a paper tin foil into like where it looks kind of like a flower yeah that's it's basically cool. casted into like a chrome metal and like that's the cap that's and cool that's, that's the same guy did that that bottle design we went a little off but it has to do with architecture so <laughs> Um, so what made you decide, cause see, I didn't realize that you went back that far with KV in 98 when I was looking up and doing research on you. And I read that I was like, wow, yeah. 98, I had no idea personally. What was it? 
that made you decide? Was it that you got a model train, saw that like this part is incorrect or it's made out of cheap plastic? I want to make that real. Is that like something that like motivated you to start KV? Well, it was, um, I needed something. It was a particular caboose. I needed that. The railroad I modeled had this certain type of caboose and there's nothing else out there that's like it. So I said, well, you know, I can, I can make the parts. I basically made a kit. You know, I, I made I made the pieces, and then I I did it out of uh, resin. So I, I made a mold of the pieces. Oh, and you then cast it in resin. resin. Yeah, that's so a process. I, oh God, I, did I, you rotocast I it. it to get the bubbles out? Or no, back then I was just um, just basically using gravity to um, to um, de whatever the hell it is to get the bubbles out. But wow, um, yeah, it's I mean now there's so many better ways like pressure casting, three D printing. Now, like 3D printing. Yeah, that I got to get into that. Toby but, does uh, that. Toby. Uh, He's got two 3D printers now. You should oh, talk cool. to him about that. He that's says hi, cool. by the way. Yes. Hey, <laughs> hey Chris, I, I miss you for do you, sure. Do you still have that original kit that you made? That first one you oh, ever no, did? Oh, it's garbage. I threw it out. Oh, you got to save that stuff. I, you know, I'm always like that. I, I've sold, like, everything I ever made, I sold. Because, uh, you know, it's just at a certain point, it's not really, uh, I don't know. It, it, it It's worth more financially. I understand. It, than you know, actually having it, and that you know, if I ever wanted to do it again, I would just build it all over again, and, and better. Be better, so way better now. That's the beauty of the evolution of the process. I mean, it's you're, you're always better than you were yesterday. Yeah, that's true. Always moving forward, especially you. You're you're a big example of that, which is weird. <laughs> the name KV. Where does where does that come from? What does it stand for? That stands for Kaiser Valley. That was the um, valley in Pennsylvania in Scranton where my grandparents worked. That was. Uh, the, the main shop building of the Lackawanna Railroad, which oh, is... so yeah, it's an homage to your family. Absolutely, yeah, man. That was, oh, that's cool. That's where it all started for me. Oh, that's really, that's really sick. You also, you also have a YouTube channel I found. I didn't know. Ah, uh, yes. Until I started doing my little uh, research, and I saw it. And, dude, those videos, are, they look so realistic. That is something that I've... That was one of my uh, great loves that I discovered. I mean, I always love shooting photos and stuff, but uh, the ability to take a model and make it look real—I mean, that's kind of like like what you would see in the original Star Wars. You know, I mean, they were that—that that wasn't CGI. That was models, basically. Yeah, wild, right? So, you know, just the way they shoot the models to make them look real. So it's that's crazy. You know, that—that's what I do. I, I love doing that, and. Yeah, I, I with this friend, this other friend of mine, Scott. Also, um, you know, we would go and we shoot videos of the models we make and stuff. And you know, with the, the iPhones are great. I mean, you can you they're, know, they're, even the new ones really good. Yeah. So yeah, we 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 shoot all these videos and we realize, hey, these are pretty cool. So uh, I started throwing them up on YouTube, and uh, some of them, it's amazing. Like some some like go wild, and then like the same thing just will sit. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's the, the algorithm, or oh, they look great, dude. I, I watched them. I was watching them the other day, and I'm like, holy fuck! They, it looks like real, like it's real yeah, life. I appreciate that. That's uh, you know, that, that's like the highest compliment you can give. No, I like that, that page that. a lot. Yeah, that's I actually cool. gave a link to Toby so he could see it because he didn't know you had a page either. Uh, cool. Like I said, you kind of keep stuff tucked in. I, you know, I'm not a marketing genius, so that, I yeah, never, yeah. Had, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a quiet guy. You know, I you won't know anything about me until it's time. Yeah, you know, yeah, to, yeah. To tell you. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, I want to save some of this, um, and I'm going to come back to it later because it comes full circle towards the end in a great way. Yeah. In other words, your book. Ah, um, yes. So we're gonna we're gonna go to that later, but I had to start with you know what led in, like I said, the fabric that you know that weaves into yeah. a you know, your life. And uh, eventually you actually get hired on the railroad, which we briefly touched on yeah. before. 
and you actually you wanted to be an engineer, but you started as a train conductor first, correct? Yeah. Was that because it was a hiring freeze, or you just took anything that got thrown at you, um, or you wanted to try that first? At that point, they were hiring conductors like crazy, uh, one class a month. Whereas engineers, it was you know one class, maybe one a year, maybe if you're lucky, two a year. So oh, okay. it, it was just I, what I knew year I, was that? Uh, two thousand two. Two thousand two. Wow. Yeah, March twenty oh two. Holy shit. Uh, so I just said, you know, to hell with this. I can be a conductor. That you know, I'd love doing that too. So you know, that that'll get me on. And it did. It, it took a while, but you know, that got me in the door. So yeah, yeah. Probably the best part about being a conductor, because I'm a conductor uh, currently, um, is is the getup. Because as an engineer, nobody really sees what you're wearing. You can't yeah. really see the engineer. So you're the conductor is the face. So it's nice when you take pride in your uniform and dress. Yeah. I always wear the yep. vest, the whole nine. A lot of slobs out there don't really care about their appearance, but you know, I like to wear it. Um, there's one thing that I would like a favor for you to do. There's always a misconception of what a conductor is. <laughs> Anybody that you meet in the street, I know I do. They're like, oh, what do you do for a living? I tell them I'm a train conductor. They're like, oh, you drive the train. First of all, we don't drive anything. It's operating. <laughs> and no, that's the locomotive engineer. Can you... When people try to ask me, okay, so what does the conductor do? Maybe you can articulate this better than me because I always have a hard time because it's it's too big of a thing to explain in a few words what a conductor is. Is there a way that you can articulate it better than I can? Well, when I used to work with Will and he was my conductor, I would, to his face, <laughs> tell him, you are my secretary. And that's how I would look upon most conductors. Literally, you are my most, secretary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to answer the phone and you're going to get the paperwork. And if I ask you for a cup of coffee, you're going to get, I sound like you're such an get asshole. Holy <laughs> shit, man. Is, Sometimes I just like, I, I step back and I look at myself. I'm like, who married this idiot? Jesus well, you're Christ. fucking, you're brutal, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but hi, uh, conductor, I mean, you're, you're kind of like the. <sighs> In short you're, terms, he'd call you the boss of the train, but it's not as simple no, as that. You're, you're the heart and soul of the train, basically, because you're. I mean, I'm moving it. That yeah, it, it, but you're the you're the reason the train is moving as far as dealing with you know get, getting the doors open and closed, getting the people on and off. I mean, that's it, it's like herding a thousand kindergartners. Yeah, it you know in in rush hour traffic, it's oh, yeah. you know trying to trying to march them across Route eighty. It's yeah, you know it, it's that, and that's what a conductor does. I mean, sort of makes makes an impossible situation possible just so that I can release the brakes, pull the Smoothly. throttle, and get us going. Yes, well, absolutely. Yeah, that's the problem. Is like people just see you collecting tickets and they just automatically assume. Oh, so you just collect tickets. There's far more than that, that you'll ever understand. It's both crafts require severe multitasking it, to to do it well. Yeah, I mean, you're you're collecting tickets at the same time remembering you What's have to next? get up to the front of the train to flag a crossing. You have to remind your engineer because he's a snap case or it's three o'clock in the morning. You've got yeah. the last train out and your engineer is a little dozy. So you, yeah. you know, you keep running up there to poke him in the head or something. <laughs> you know, it's get switches. If you're going into the, it's a, it's a lot of, or if you're, if you work in the yard and you're making up the trains that yeah. passenger train conductors use, that's a whole nother element to it. Flagging, you know, it's just, it's tough. People ask me, oh, what does a conductor do? It's very hard to explain to a casual, if you will. Yeah. Like in five seconds, 
what a conductor. It's not that simple. It's, uh, it, you know, it always it used to drive me nuts because I'd be up there on, you know, we're running a train without passengers. It's equipment move. You guys are in the back, you know, doodling around Chilling. on your phone, <laughs> having Chinese food, feet up, you know, somebody's got a blanket and, and something. And I'm sitting there running the train, following another train, doing 13 miles yeah. an hour, just, you know, and I'm, you know, but then at the same time, you're out there. Pouring rain, thunderstorm. There's a body under the third car. You've got to find the pieces. Yeah. You got to talk to dispatcher. Yeah. You got to get the traffic stopped while you know. talking to the people, calming them down if you're communicating with them, etc. You've got a train full of angry assholes because yeah. they're they're mis- they're uh, they're. Mis- See my brain just. Sh- this is this is the this is that stupid accident. My brain just shuts off in mid sentence. That's right. We got all the time in the world, baby. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, no, nah, for sure. I mean, obviously, in my opinion, the the locomotive engineer is the most important piece. I'm so nasally today. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, my nose is so clogged from this whole week. I've been like battling allergies, so bear yeah. with me. It makes you sound like you're 12. So that's cool. Yeah, right. Um, how long were you a conductor for before like, you became an engineer? I think like five or six years, something like that. I heard recently, I didn't know this, that while you were a conductor, you got hurt on the job. Is that true? No, I never got hurt. Okay, so that's a fucking lie. I knew it was. Oh, who, okay. I got to hear this story. You know love, Jerry, right? Jerry. He's Gerald Astori? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me to ask you about that. I'm, I'm like, he got hurt when he was a conductor. I don't think so. You sure about yeah, that? And he said, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he must have been, he's old. He's fucking 62. I am 47. He's shot. I'm shout out to, shout up, out to so. Jerry. <laughs> so I, I knew that was incorrect. Yeah. Um, But we kind of touched on it before. Being a, a train enthusiast before actually getting hired it must have kind of been like a a dream come true for you. Would you say that that's kind of accurate? Hell yeah. It's kind of like surreal almost. Hell yeah. I mean, it was it was great because, you know, in the moments in our job where we're not doing anything, you know, we've gone through the coach, we've collected the tickets, we've done everything we're supposed to do, and now we've got a couple minutes between stations. Well, you know, you know, most guys, that, you know, think about the mortgage pain, you know, anything but what they're doing. I'd sit there and, you know, just take in what's around me and just, you know, enjoy because yeah. it's, you know, it's the atmosphere. It's the energy of where you are. It's, yeah. you know, to be able to stop and enjoy that. I'll never forget um, back. I, I was a, I was rear braking and um, I, I, I was on a, a Port Jervis train, an evening rush hour Port Jervis train. And, you know, we had the Comet ones with the open doors and everything. That was right before my time, right before. That was great. I loved that. I loved having open vestibules. You'd be rocketing <laughs> along and, you know, it's three feet away a certain death. That's and, scary. I could imagine. But, you know, we're going, we're on this Port Jervis, we're on this train and uh, uh, <laughs> going through, going through this one location by these waterfalls and these big rocks and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was standing on the bottom step of the open door in the vestibule just looking at the cars out on the highway, just, just like, I mean, it, Taking this it was all just in. like, this is, you know, I mean, this is like, this is just cool. It's, now, there's some scenery, especially on that line that you're speaking of. Yeah. It's just like, wow. I remember driving by, like, and I'm not even a train guy. Yeah. I was like, man, this is cool to be doing this, like, for a living. This is really crazy. I know. It's, um, I, I mean, obviously, I have mixed feelings about where I worked because of what happened to me, but, I mean, it's the best job in the world. It, yeah. it really, I... I I would I'd do it a heart, in a heartbeat over again. I, I loved what I did. And I love that, man. That, it, that's it's, beautiful. I mean, you know, I was one of the lucky guys that got to 
got to live my dream. And, yeah. you know, you could, I, the thing I loved about working there was that you could sort of, you could not make a difference, but I mean, you could do more than most people because you cared. Yeah. And you're making me emotional. <laughs> I'm so sensitive, dude. <laughs> Just because I, can, I can't relate because I never was like into trains like that. But yeah. I could imagine like loving something so much and then finally being, it's like, it's like, it's magical, actually. And then it's amazing because it can make, it can really make you hate your hobby because, I mean, there's that times too. where, you know, I'm in an engine. It's just a piece of garbage. It's just not doing anything I want it to do. And I basically, you know, I can't run the train the way I run a train. So at that point, you know, it, it's it's like, you know, I'm just phoning in from home. I'm just, you know, it, it's yeah. a crappy ride and it's, you know, we're late or whatever. And it's. It's just like, fuck it, why am I doing this? This is just stupid, you know? I, I'm better than this, but this crap around me is not allowing me to be what I can be, so fuck it. But Yeah, I, I guess that just comes with any job, right? Anything you care about. You're going to have time. Like, you love your brother, your sister. I'm an only child, but if you did, you know, you yeah. hate him, you love him at the same time, your wife, same thing, you know? Yeah. It, it, it is what it is. The good comes with the bad. <clears throat> um, so I know you originally wanted to be an engineer, yeah, but I know some people they start as conductors and they get so fed up with dealing with the public that, <laughs> they, tra- that they transition. Was it kind of a relief for you? Not because you always wanted to be an engineer, but was it kind of like a Shh, I don't got to deal with these fucking people anymore? I mean, I I knew that because that sucks. I I started out like the way they taught us in class, where you know, oh, thank you, sir. You know, you'll have yeah, a yeah. and you know, immediately after you get crapped on. By so, so many people for for nothing, and you know something you have nothing to do with or whatever. Yeah, you you get sort of desensitized towards people. So, yeah. um But I I still love doing it. I mean, I I loved I, I loved being a conductor. It was it was definitely cool in its own special way. But I mean, you know, I I, I never really I don't think I ever intended to be an engineer when I got in as a conductor because I thought it was really hard. And I'm like, you know, there's no way I could do that program because you know back then. It was a hard program. You you know, there was one instructor. Um, she was rough, man. She, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I was just like, no, nah, I'm not. I, I'm not. But um, I have to fucking hear her voice and rules still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. It was uh, New Year's Day, 2001. I, um, I, I, you know, I, I worked these these early morning jobs. And um, we're bringing people back from New Year's Eve. And oh, the first God. train out in the morning is oh. just, it, it's, it's, it's just a mess. I, uh, we, we managed to get the train to uh, the first station. And all of a sudden, you know, I get down on the platform and people just are running out of this car screaming. You know, next thing you know, the windows get kicked out. Well, there's like a 20-person oh brawl inside. It's a mess, and, man. So I was just, you know, that, that's like the first westbound train in the morning. I was just like, to hell with this. And then the second after, the second train later on, some person was like a real dick or something. I don't know. It, I, I don't know what happened, but I remember sitting down with this passenger who actually wrote me a nice letter. Oh, and good. she had something like, she said, I get, went up to her ticket and she's like, you know, how are you today? And I, I, I sit down and I'm like, you know what, let me tell you exactly how I am today. Yeah, yeah. I, I run through this whole thing and. 
And, and yeah, like, and now some guy's going to write a complaint letter about me. So, it's, <laughs> you know, it was that day. I, I remember that day. I was like, to hell with this. I'm, I'm getting in the engineer program. Oh, and, okay. You know, I was no longer like, no, fuck it. It's too hard. I can't. No, I was just like, I'm doing it. It's, yeah, yeah. I, you had enough. I, yeah, this is it. Man. It's hard. It's, it's not easy. I'm already at the point. I'm 10 years in. I'm like, I'm done. Man. And that was like 20 years ago when you could actually like do yeah. stuff. I mean, now it's. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting worse and. You know. I, I don't envy you now, man. You got a you got a harder harder job than ever. Nah, I gotta. <laughs> it's tough. I, I, I'm I'm already at my fucking and I'm on a short short gig. I only work yeah. you know like a, a short job. So yeah. before before <clears throat> up to present day, before your whole career on the railroad came to an end, right? How long in total were you in the seat, or you know even as a whole? A total, it was like almost twenty years. It was just under twenty. Almost twenty. Yeah. Oh. Wow, that's crazy. So now here's where, where I come into play with my first time ever even hearing about you. So I've been with the company that we both worked for since 2012, but I didn't become a train conductor until the beginning of, right before my birthday, uh, or a little, actually right after my birthday of 2014. So shortly after I got hired, that's when I began to hear about you. Um, I started working out at the location I, I think that you were working out of. Yeah. And I think you were already out at that point, no? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So I never met you yet, but I saw pictures of you, and back then you were more heavyset. Yeah, yeah. You looked, ever since you came back, you've, like, maintained, like, you look great, dude. Yeah. Great. Not that you were, like, massive then. No, I was... Um, you were heavier. Yeah, I had a, a, a big health issue that caused all kinds of problems. Once I got that taken care of, uh, yeah, I was actually able to be a normal person. Yeah, so I, I remember hearing about you, and, and, and I was told that you had brain cancer. Is that correct? I had a brain tumor. Oh, it was benign. Man. It was benign, fortunately, but uh, yeah, I had a brain tumor. Oh, no shit. Yeah, well, I still have a brain tumor. They only got a part of it. Oh, so, so you were out for a while, weren't you? Yeah, it was close to a year. Oh, so I, I as soon as I came there, you were already out. Okay, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right? Was that 2014? Is that accurate? Yeah. Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah so that was like, I'm like, who's Scott Loopy? And I saw like pictures of you and they were, they were, they were talking about your stuff. And cancer, obviously, luckily yours is benign, but cancer's not pretty. My mother had brain, had not brain cancer, sorry. She had a esophageal cancer and yeah. seeing what she went through was horrendous. So like, could you tell me like what your perspective was of, of going through what you went through like before you even found out it was benign? I I mean, well, you know, when you hear brain tumor or something like that, it's... It's earth-shattering. It's not, like, I mean, I still remember um, it, my primary doctor telling me over the phone, yeah, you know, I, you, the, the MRI shows there's a, a mass on your brain. I, I'll never forget those fuck. words, you know, it's... I know, it's fuck. But, uh, so... Oof, you know, you're I, giving me goosebumps, dude. At that point, it's just kind of like, well, you know, I'm, I'll do what I have to do, and... You know, see where so where where it goes, and you know, yeah. I, I'm not a throw in the towel type person, so uh, clearly, but uh, clearly. And, and and the listeners will see, <laughs> they will know by the end of this. Yeah, it's it's weird though having somebody you know their hands inside your head type of thing because that's yeah. where that ends up. But uh, were you married at the time? Yeah, I yeah I got married in 2014. Oh, so you got married the same year? Holy two, shit! Two months after our wedding, I was diagnosed. She must have been emotionally distraught. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. my God! I don't know how she's. Shout done. out to Dawn. That's her name, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God! 
I remember hearing you were going to be okay, and I was like, oh, that's great. And I still, I never met you then. Yeah. But it's always positive news to hear that a fellow coworker has such a traumatic thing happen to them, and then they're going to be okay. So, like, that was that was great. And uh, I was going to ask you how long you were out for in total, but you already cleared that yeah. up. You said it was a uh, close to a year, it was like eleven months or something close, like yeah. that. It must have been good to be back, like a sense of like almost like normalcy. I'll ne- I, I'll never forget. I mean, I took a picture of my my first uh, assignment that uh, you know the first day I was back. I know exactly what terminal I was. I took a picture of you know of the train that I was going to be running, and you know that was my office for the day. And that was that was officially first day back. I I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Really? Yeah. Very that must very have felt vivid. Great. Uh, what time of year vivid. was it? It was fall. Oh, so that's the. Even though that's probably to those listening that don't work on the railroad, the fall is probably the hardest time for an engineer to work. Yeah. Because of leaf season, leaves. When you run over a leaf with the with the with the wheels, it secretes some sort of oil that makes everything, the whole environment, extraordinarily slippy, slippery. Sorry. Yeah, it's like driving on ice, basically. And it's tough if you don't know how to throw your sand out properly and, and get yeah. a hold of the air brakes. You're fucked. Yep. Yeah, and that's stressful that, for me. Very stressful for me when I have like a new crew. Oh my god, <laughs> I hate. I'm like right now, we're in it. We're yeah. about to start gearing yep. up, and I'm very stressed out yeah. right now. It's funny. I was looking. Uh, I was looking out on my way here today. I was looking, and you know, the wind was blowing. It was a. It was like a heavy drizzle. The leaves were coming down. And I was like, oh, I feel the engineers are fucked today, dude. Because it's you know it's the beginning of the season, so the trains aren't prepared for this type of weather. So half yeah. of them don't have sand. You know, half of the sanders yeah. don't work, and. Dude, yeah. it's stressful. And dude. as an engineer, I mean, you don't know until the first the first you moment you hit slippery rail. It's okay, leaf season's here. The first and- application when you throw that handle <laughs> up. I know, like, shout out to Toby. Yeah. Um, whenever he takes off, I'm like, fuck. Because I'm going to get somebody that's brand new, yeah. and they're going through the motions learning. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm yeah. fucked. Because I'm telling them one thing, and we're blowing three vestibules off, and I got to walk 500 people. It's a fucking... Luckily, I'm on the head end because I can control all that stuff. Yeah. And that's important because again, with you, that that's like you're, you are the constant deliverer of bad news Ugh. to these passengers, and you know that they're already at a nine, and you're there to take them yeah. to eleven because you're going to tell them something stupid has happened, and yeah. they're not getting home, you know, on time. I know it's even the decision making, like okay. We slid past, what are we going to do? Yeah. I got to relay a message to the brakeman, tell him what we're doing. Do that. It's like a fucking. Yeah, you know they call you a conductor for a reason. If you could look at an actual musical conductor, yeah. they're telling everybody what to do, and that really, okay, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. This is how we're gonna do it. This time, open here, do this, boom. So it's it's really it's the proper name for the job. And the beauty is, you're going into this knowing that there's a ninety percent chance this shit's not gonna work, but you still try. I know, I know. So I, I'm, I'm giving that to you because. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's you, well, know, you did it. So you walking into something you that all. you know is just destined for failures. Uh. I know. Yeah, it's scary. But when you have a good engineer, there's nothing that I appreciate more than when I have a good. Like if my engineer takes off, Chris Toby takes yeah. off because he's great. I've been working with him. We've been on this same assignment for over three years now. That's awesome. It's wild. Well, I was like me and Will. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. When you get a good crew. And you have enough seniority where it doesn't have to get broken up. That's the most beautiful thing in the railroad. Once, once you become a family, because yeah. that, that's what happens. I mean, you, you become a family. You're, you're married to your engineer, Absolutely. basically. You're, you're spending almost as much time as him as your wife. So, yeah, you know, if not more. So, 
Yeah. I wish I wish I was on the same crew as you. That that That's you know, one it thing I never, never happened. I, never. I, I I tried, but uh, you know, it, it never happened. It would have been fun. I, oh, uh, dude, we would have had a blast. Dude. I I loved those days where you you know you know the guy in blue has he's got his shit covered and he's even got a little bit of your shit covered and vice versa. And yes. you know you can just you can just blow through the day like it's no you can have fun and not even think about working because the work's going to take care of itself because you're that good. Yes, but you can just have some fun and yes. you know. I'm going to quote a, a famous rap lyric from Jay Z, and you're going to see why this is going to yeah. coincide. What we're talking about in the song. It's going to sound weird me talking it <laughs> and not rapping it. He says, "If every n word in your click is rich." Your click is rugged. Nobody will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. And that's exactly yeah. what it's like to have a train crew. Everybody has their shit together. If one day you're not on 100%, yeah, I man. will be. If I'm not, my brakeman's going to be. Yep. So it's very, very important to have everybody on the same page. And that's what we got, me, Chris, and Jerry. And, and you know, that's... Unison. That's what I loved when, you know, when I would, when I would stumble... And Will was there to, you know, to, to sort of take, carry, carry things for me, you know, until I got my shit together. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't done, it, it wasn't done for money or it doesn't, it, it, you know, it, it's not anything like that. It's yeah. because that's what he would do for me because, yeah. you know, I'm his brother, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. That, that's the way you look upon each other. Most people. And, and that's beautiful, man. That's the best way to, to deal with the shit that we had to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, the, the bad of it, because there's plenty. Plenty. You know, you couldn't do it if you didn't have your work family. You just, yeah. There's no way you could do it. It's uh, Yeah, it's something you can't describe. It really is family in every sense of the word. I mean, you should, well, yeah. you know, Will was there, you know, yeah. found me in the cab. Will's you know. a sweetheart, by the way. He, he, I, a, he, I feel bad for the first years of his career because I just tortured him and tormented him. Beyond belief. I mean, I, I justified it to him. I told him. He's a him, real friend. He's You're a- an only child, so you need to get the big brother experience. So I beat the hell out of him like a big brother would. Bad. And yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> some no, of it, Some of it was actually, and that's a, that's a, a big testament. And he stuck by with you, dude, the whole time. It's a big testament he loves to you, Will. He loves he, you, he really um, does. He, although I did find his limit. His limit is a coach key. If you fuck with his coach key, oh, he will wow. not talk to you. He will not look at you. That's his appendage. I, I bent his coach <laughs> key one night at like a 30 degree angle. So he, he, like, he was trying to like fish it into the door panel and he was getting all frustrated and mad. He, he wouldn't talk to me. He, just, he gave me this dirty look. And I, I mean, I've tortured the hell out of this kid. I Bad. mean, horrible stuff. Bad. And... He never, he never batted an eye, but this one time with the coach key. So I, I gave, I took his bent coach key. I gave him my coach key. Yeah, I Wayne apologized. And then I, I figured, yeah, so, you know. Yeah, we, Wayne Gretzky. We were good. Bill Clinton, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's one thing about him is he stuck by you no matter what the whole time. Shout out Will Pfeiffer, you fucking but you know savage what? cowboy. He's he's a 20-year conductor in like a 10-year conductor's body. Yes. I, 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 I he loves the job. That's the he's passionate about what he does for sure. I showed him so much about the railroad. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I can imagine. He he's well. I mean, he was like a two year conductor, and I'm there working with him. I could hold better jobs. I could hold daily. I don't have to be worked in the last train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at 
but I'm here working with this new guy just because I know if something you don't have to happens, worry. I can say, hey, Will, this is what we got to do. And he's going to look at me and say, okay. And he's going to do it, and we're going to be fine. It's smooth. That's the most important thing is running oh. a smooth train. When shit hits the fan, smooth. Dude, we hit somebody uh, two months ago. Yeah. Toby hit somebody. Yeah. So he didn't die. Yeah. You know, we had them people out of there in an hour. Yeah. That's, that's a miracle. I had them motherfuckers out there in an hour because we all know what we're doing, yeah. we had our shit together, and we work harmoniously. Back to the symphony with the actual musical yeah. conductor, it's a symphony. Running a train yeah. is a symphony. And if you do it right. There was, and you know, as far as like the conductor, not, you know, not just being a ticket taker or whatever. You know, yeah, what everybody thinks you are. I told Will he was a secretary, but he was the guy who would be in the vestibule of the train, hear my break application for a station, Hear the break. He could tell exactly you what know. was happening. Exactly. And if he fu- if he got the inkling that something was fucked up with the rail was a little slippery, whatever, and I might go along, he would immediately be one vestibule back, protecting exactly just, just to make sure. And the doors open and the people get off. Whereas you know, same likewise. You get uh, you know on a normal day, you know, normal conductor, you, you know, you blow past the, you know, you go with a car too long or whatever. The first vestibule's off. You're on the radio. Hey, you know, he's I'm talking going to some long. broad in the fucking he's third on, seat. Yeah, he's you know, uh, you know, So I got to start tapping. I got to hit the buzzer, trying to like you know get his Alarm, attention, listen, motherfucker. Yeah, and, you know, and then oh, the doors are already open, and you know, and then he, the worst part is looking in your cab mirror and seeing people dance through the ballast through the rocks. And you're like, oh, because now they're off the platform. Yeah, they're, they're not right. It, it, this is this is where the lawsuits happen right here and yeah. you know I was the one that did it so and that's what people don't see they don't know so to, yeah anything that goes on to have Will sitting there without me even saying anything he can tell what's going on with the train because yeah. he knows how I run the train he knows what it's supposed to feel like and you know before anything bad even happens Will's there to do his thing people get off everything's great you know I by the time I say hey Will I'm going long he's where he needs to be and I was like, you know what? I just fucked up, and he you was there. there. Everybody will be each other's he, crutches. It's that, that's why I said that line. Like that. There's nothing like that. You feel like shit because you fucked up, but you know what? It worked out. Everybody's and, got each other's back. And at some point, Will's gonna fuck up, and I'm gonna be there. And it's that. That's your day at work, and it's great. No, it, nobody will fall. Everyone will be each other's crutches. It's great. That's it's, why that line is so relevant to what I'm talking about. And, you know, not too many jobs have that. No. It, there, there's very, you know, office job. There's just very, very few pe- places yeah. where you can get that type of experience. And, you know, that, that's... There's what, nothing like that parts. family. When I get students and I'm training them, yeah. <laughs> which is the shit showing itself. <laughs> nah. But I try to tell them that. Like, when yeah. you're able to get that crew, there's nothing like that solidarity. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing like that. Yeah, that was, you know, that's something I do miss when I uh, I used to get students because, you know, it was, you could be like, you could be the guy that's supposed to, you know, oh, I'm going to quiz you on the rules, that type of stuff. Or, or you could be the guy that's like, look, I've hit five people. This is what it's yeah. going to be like when you do it because you're yeah. going to do it. And, you know, I can tell them what to do, what not to do, what to expect. And, you know, I wish somebody had done that for me when I was a, a student engineer because that's like, that's the stuff that stays with you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You you don't you forget about all the other minutia. It's you know yeah. it's those moments that you know the, the defining moments where 
you know, yeah. the unthinkable happens where you remember that. And to be, to be able to be at your best in that moment because some engineer told you, it, it was sort of prepared you yeah. in some way for it. And I, I love, I miss that. That yeah, was, I mean, yeah. You know, I miss you, dude. I really do. You were my fun. favorite dude there, man. On that break, in that break room every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so you you get that, you know that that brain cancer, which you beat. Yeah. That benign tumor, which is great, but that was. It's crazy to say that it was short lived, the chaos in your life, but it was. Life throws you another tragic curveball. Tragic curveball. As if the prior wasn't enough, right? Throws you another one. The devastating tree-cutting portion of your saga. The tree incident, yes. Can you explain to the listeners what I'm talking about, what exactly happened at this point in your life? How how long ago? What was the distance in time from the brain cancer incident to the tree-cutting? It wasn't that long. Three three years, two and a half years, something like that? not a long time. No, no, no. Can you explain to them what happened in, in full vivid detail? Because when you told it to me, every hair on my body stood up, every one. It was the a classic case of how bad can I fuck up today? Let, let's go for it. Um, <sighs> Dude, I feel it, crazy right now. It was a Monday morning. Um, you know, I knew I was working the afternoon. I think I might have been working the extra late. Oh, so you were or, working that day. I, yeah, you know, I was on an assignment. I was like, yeah. And um, so, you know, I was like, oh, I got to get shit done before I go to work. Uh, you know, it's just how it is. You're working, you know, six days a week or whatever. It's, you know, I got three hours. Let's make, you know, let's do six hours worth of stuff. So I uh, had, a, had a tree in the front yard with a, a limb that was a big limb. It was hanging down. It would annoy the fuck out of me every time I mowed. It would hit me in the head and stuff. So I, I decided I was going to trim the branch. And uh, I've done tree work all my life, cut down trees with my father. It's, you know, this is something I do. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So because I was stupid that day, I, I get my big 20-foot extension ladder, throw it up the tree, grab my chainsaw. I'm in flip-flops, and you know, I'm in my nice watch. And, you know, it's, I'm just doing every T-shirt, doing everything I shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I go up the tree with my chainsaw, and I start cutting this branch. And um, I'm, I'm like 20 feet up in the tree. I'm pretty high up. And um, you know, I, I'm, I, get, I do the top cut, and the tree starts bending downward. So I know it, it's the limb's getting ready to go. And... Uh, I know I have to do an undercut to, to that's where the, to you know, fully that's the next cut. But yeah. uh, I said, you know, I'm looking at this branch. It's, it's bent. So it's like, it's bent like a spring, like a leaf spring. So it's, you know, it's tension on it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, the, the branch is kind of, it's, it, it's probably going to, when, when I do release it, it's going to kick towards me. So I should, I should tie that off, move the ladder, do whatever. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'm up here. Let's get this shit done. And I make that relief cut. And it was an amazing moment. Because it was exactly like the coyote on on the Roadrunner commercials, where he's standing somewhere and all of a sudden the floor is gone. Oh and my god! And he just god. he's just looking there and the, holds up the little sign that says, "Oh, I fucked up." And you know, Penny's <laughs> gone in a second. That was me. I I'll never. Ah, oh, you're giving me that, chills, bro. That tree limb snaps out and it kicks the ladder right out from under oh me, my and god. I'm standing there up in the air with my chainsaw. It just, you know, it, nowhere to go but down. And it was that, I, I'll never forget that moment of, I can't fucking believe this. You know, I, I can't believe I just did this. And In a then, split second. Yeah. Literally. It was, it, it, it was the longest trip down to the, the oh sidewalk. <laughs> it was, I remember the trip down thinking, God, this is such a long way. <laughs> it's like, 
This this isn't like a you know fall down the steps. I mean, this how is high like, approximately? I was were about you? twenty feet up in the air. That's fucking high. Dude. Tell me, if, <laughs> and it takes a while to get down. So I'll never forget that. And then it was you know so from what happens next? The the impact hitting the sidewalk. I landed on the concrete sidewalk, and um, oh I landed God. back down. You know, on my back, and I remember the jarring. It there was. You know, it was it wasn't painful, but I remember a very violent was jarring. Was it painful? No, no. At that point, it wasn't. And um, come on, no, because I was I was unconscious at that point. I I hit the ground and it was lights you, out. You woke up after the fact, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it was. Um, and it, did it, your head hit the concrete? Yeah, yeah. I smacked. I, I hit the concrete. Um. After you already had a benign brain tumor. Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear this? There is that. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. So I, you know, I come to and I'm, I'm laying there on the ground and there's, you know, tree branches on top of me. And because court, they landed on me. I didn't land on them. It it had to be the other way. The chainsaw. My chainsaw is sitting right next to me on the ground, just purring away. Like, you know, still on. Steel chainsaws. I'm giving a shout out. They're the best. Shout out Steel. Yeah, they. This thing hit the ground right next to me, and I, Thank on the God way down. Next to you. Well, on the way down, I knew where this was headed, so I threw the chainsaw away from me. I, oh, yeah, I tried smart. to like push it away from my body. Um, but I mean, even if the blade's not spinning, I I keep them sharp, so it'll it'll cut into you bad. But um, yeah, it was. It landed on the ground next to me, and uh, boy, it just purred away, and so I got up. And and now at this point, you know, when you're when you've just hit your head really hard, it's reality's slightly different. So I, I get up and I look at my wrist. And I'm like, that's busted up. And I, I pick up my chainsaw and I pick up the ladder. I put everything away in the garage. And While you're probably ble- bleeding profusely. Yeah. And, well, first thing I first thing when I got up, I looked around to see if anybody saw because I was embarrassed. I mean, that was like that was first and foremost that in my your mind. First I hope nobody saw me. You know, type wow. of shit. But uh, yeah, so I went inside and I decided I was going to fix this by running cold water on my wrist. That was, yeah. So I did that for a while and then I, I realized it wasn't going to work. So I, I tried driving myself to the hospital. And um, you're, you're, so what does your wrist look like? It's, it's really, really swollen and purple and all different colors. It, and it just, it, it just didn't look right. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't hanging off like my fingertip at one time, but um, it, it was... It was obviously in trouble. What about your head? I, I had a humongous bump on it and a cut. But oh, so um, you weren't really bleeding that bad. I, I had. I, I think I. Had, I don't remember exactly. I, I had cut my head. But, I don't expect um, you to remember vividly because yeah, you know your your brain was all fucked up. <laughs> some but, of it's a little fuzzy. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. So what happened next after you you ran the cold water? You decided to drive yourself to the hospital. Yeah, I'm right? going to drive myself. Well, first it was urgent care because that was. The place, obviously, to go after you oh, fall twenty feet out of the go, go yeah. to urgent care. Um, I, they, they didn't have minute clinics yet in CVS, so okay. you know, urgent care. But um, yeah, so I, uh, I I start driving myself. I try to call my wife, and she didn't answer. She was in a doctor's appointment or something, and <clears throat> it was right right around there where I really I, I kind of figured out that this, there's probably more here going on than I actually had originally anticipated, and I, I started having some real problems. So I called nine one one, and you know I'm like, oh, I'm in a I'm in a Ram fifteen hundred, you know, it's at Burgundy, and I did this. My name is this, and I'm right here right now. And um, 
you know, I'm trying to get everything out to him before. I don't know if I'm going to be in con- I don't know anything with, I don't know what's going on. Cause it's just, everything is weird now. What'd you feel like? <clears throat> I was having a hard time seeing that was kind of like when was it like blurry. Or? No, it was, um, it, it was kind of like being fully wide awake, but the room is getting dark around you. Holy you know, shit. It, it's not like you can't like tunnel see. vision almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything's closing in on you. Spots and it, 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 just weird vision, like you know, lights and stuff. And um, I wonder if your brain tumor had anything to do with the pressure. Yeah, that, and- that, that was just a concussion. That that's all that was. Just okay. a really bad concussion. So um, yeah, I ended up uh, pulling into a, 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 a parking lot somewhere, and I'll never. You know, people give the cops a lot of shit. I I I don't. I. I mean, I'll never forget laying there on the ground, trying to stay awake as best I can. I've got, you know, the 911 on this phone on my chest, and the guy's saying, stay awake, talk to me, you know, to what's your, what's your daughter, you know. Jesus Christ. And I'll, I'll never forget turning my head to the side, and I could see a cop car coming with, I see the red and the blue lights. And I'll never forget thinking to myself, <laughs> and, you know, at all that, I'll never forget thinking, they found me. I can, my job is done basically. Like I can just, you know, I I don't have to fight so hard now. They know where I am. And, you know, I I don't remember much after that, but I'll never forget seeing that cop, the cop car coming towards me and the relief of knowing they know where I am. They're coming for me. I mean, that's just, that, that, that's like. God damn. I don't know if it's the alcohol in me, but I'm blurry because my eyes are water. (laughs) Oh my God. I couldn't imagine going through that after having that brain cancer scare, then that on top of it. Oh. You know, you know the worst part. Al? Now, I, I, I could have died. That's that, of course that's, you could have died like multiple times. People since, at this point usually don't survive that type of fall. But uh, my my wife was pregnant. We didn't even know it yet. My daughter came that close to growing up without a father. Wow! Yeah, Holy so shit! That was when I stopped doing stupid shit. I learned. That's probably the, the best part about of a child is, is, it, is if you're a good parent, at least. <laughs> it changes and alters your way of think, thinking. Uh, yeah, it's, Sorry, you're making me emotional, man. That's fucking, we're both parents here, man. It's, <laughs> yeah, it hit, everything hits different now when you're a parent, you know? Oh, I know. It's, yeah, they, 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 good they, God, man. They, they fuck with you so like much. crazy, but uh, man, they, they, yeah. they got your heart. What's crazy is like you've been through so much and we think to the listeners, especially they're probably like, all right, all the hard stuff is over and it's nowhere near from over because you get thrown yet another fucking curveball. And this one is probably the worst of all three. Yeah. It is the defining moment, not only in your career, but it's the defining moment in your life. The final nail in the coffin, if you will, of the Scott Lupia saga. Yeah. At least I hope. No more. Please. Hey, I'm living in Where's today. Where's the wood? Where's the wood? Yeah. All right. In detail, without giving names <coughs> or company affiliation, we're going to try our best. Yes. What happens next from the, after you go to, after this fall happens, after you've been to the specialist, the doctors, they say you're A-OK, right? Yeah. yeah. What year was this about? 2017, I think. Okay. Then you go back to normal. Your wife has your daughter. Yeah. When does your wife have your daughter? In 2018. 
Isabella, right? Yeah. God bless me. You know, you know, my cousin Louis, shout out to my cousin Louis. His daughter's name is Bella too. Same name, Isabella. Oh, that's awesome. She looks just like him too. It's funny. Um, shout out Louis. Um, after that, you have your daughter. Between having your daughter and this incident, how many years are, are in between? About three years. Two, two, and a, uh, two and a half, something like that. So all is good. You've been through a brain tumor, a benign brain tumor at that. I apologize for my nasally voice again. My nose is so clogged. Benign brain tumor. Then you, you fall off of 20 feet in the air, crack your head on the ground, all this crazy stuff. Boom. You, cut, you overcome this obstacle. Have your daughter, another emotional time, a Shit, crazy man. emotional time. And then three years later, the craziest one of all happens. What happens now? The short story is... Uh, now you can give the long one. It's fine. Oh, yeah. You're going we can, for, you we got for all time. Day. I want detailed time because it's... T- listen, when it comes to me, I'm detail-oriented. And, and every detail, every minute detail matters. So with, with, like I said, without company affiliation and stuff, what exactly happens? Well, we, you know, we, we work in a... Um, in the summer months, it's a very hot environment. So you know, we're, we're out there. It's it's a heat wave. Yeah. Um, this this particular July was one of the hottest on records, and we were I'm, I'm at work with Will, and uh, we do our first trip. You know, everything's okay, no problem. Next trip, I go down to the locomotive, and you know, it's those things are like little toaster ovens. They uh, they all they do is just give off heat. There's like twenty eight thousand volts overhead. It just oh, turns that into heat. They're they're just heat machines. That's why the air conditioning in the cab is so important. So I go down to this engine. It's it's underground in the station, so it's not in the sun or anything. But it's you know it it's out there, and I get in the cab, and it, it's just boiling in there. So I I you know this is normal. It's it's to be expected. You you go down there and. I liven up the cab, do all my stuff, start doing my little tests and check the paperwork out. And I'm, I'm you know, checking, trying to liven up the uh, AC unit. Well, this thing's dead. It's, it's not coming on. It's just blowing hot air. So I, uh, <clears throat> I call for mechanical, have them come out to fix it. And, you know, the guy shows up and he's like, yeah, there's nothing I can do. This is, uh, it's toast. It's compressor's just not coming on. So I, you know, call supervision down. Like, you know, you guys got to come down here because this is something I want you to see. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they come down, and you know now I'm like I'm I'm in there for a while, like you know, 15 minutes, something like that. So I, I'm feeling like crap. It was uh, it's 114 degrees in the cab. That's what it was measured at. So it's you know go sit in your car in the summer in a parking lot and with the windows up, and uh, you sit there for 20 minutes and see what you're thinking. And you know meanwhile you're you're doing your job. You're trying to do what you have to do. So um, yeah. they basically just say now you got to take it. So yeah. I, tell them yeah it's not my first day i'm like yeah you're gonna have to order me you know we're gonna we're gonna have to do this the right way because this is unsafe and you know i'm not feeling great it's already hot in here so if they order you ladies and gentlemen that means you're covered like if anything happens it's not your fault because they forced you to do something yeah yeah so you know i i i i was thinking you know under rule s follow the safest course you know, that's one of our rules that we, we live by. So say, of course, I'm going to tell them that I don't want to run this. It's unsafe. And, um, you know, they said, no, you have to run it. And, you know, it was understood that I would be brought up in charges of insubordination if I refused after I was ordered. And, you know, we know people that get fired for insubordination. Absolutely. It happens despite um, what 
the place I work for believes, but uh, that's that's a different animal. Neither here nor there. Yes. Um, so I, I take the train and it's hot and you know we're underground. It's 114, so it, I'm cooking away in there and um, you know basically what ends up happening after you're you're in a place that's hot for too long, you end up with heat exhaustion and. Yep. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trained in heat exhaustion. You know, I, I don't, I've never experienced it. So I have no idea what, what the symptoms are or whatever, as it's happening. You know, you don't know that. And um, yeah. so basically I just ended up running the train as far as I could. And at the last, you know, minute or so of the trip, I, uh, I, I knew I, I, I didn't feel right. So I was just, you know, it wasn't, it, for me, it was just get the train in the station so the passengers can get off. And I'm just I'm gonna Selfless, yeah. as soon as as soon as I know this thing is there, I'm just gonna dump it, call for an ambulance, and just you know wait for an ambulance. And I, I didn't make it. Um, yeah, I, I stopped the train pretty much where it was supposed to be, and um, yeah, I, I I try I put the train into emergency at the last second to stop it, so I you know it was secured at that point, and then you know, call for an ambulance, and uh, I, I don't even know if I got the words out, but. Um, it will, you know, I ended up passing out and hit my head on the way down. Oh my God, causing... again? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll never forget hearing <clears throat> about it that day, man. Because, you know, I was very friendly with you at that yeah. point. Yeah. We knew who we were, each other were. First thing I said to myself was like, come the fuck on. Like, yeah. not again, dude. This poor guy <laughs> has been through hell and back. To get smacked, he, he didn't even make half a decade. <laughs> it's like crazy. I'm happy to get a good year. It's like you're on curb your enthusiasm, <laughs> and you're Larry David. No, for real. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no. It's uh, sometimes that's just your destiny, I guess. I don't know. When it rains and pours, I remember seeing the video on Facebook of you getting taken off the locomotive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a nice video. You were on track one, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I never forget seeing it. I remember you telling me, <sighs> I don't know, this is this is crazy. Because of that, brought on like multiple complications. Yeah. This was like the, when I say the defining moment, I don't mean it in a good way. Yeah. What happened from that point on, I mean- health-wise for you? It was, After you've had all that other stuff, it was an extremely, extremely severe concussion. This was the worst of all. Um, when you see the video and you you hear the sound of my head hitting the metal frame, I never saw it. I don't want to. Oh my god! Where'd you hit the dash? No, the um, the you know the frame of the seat, the little handle that comes out to raise or lower. It's got that triangular metal bracket. Oh, right you hit that? Yeah, my head side of my head smacked the base. What, of, like your ah? Oh, yeah. You see my head bounce, and at the same time, you hear this loud thwack. I mean, it's it, it, it's like it, it's really, see it. really, um, it's brutal. I don't want to see it. Oh my god! So, so what happens from here? Like, uh, I clearly yeah. you were immediately out of work. Yeah, yeah, I was, um, I was out of service medical, and it's funny because. I was just, I, I was talking, you know, Will calls me to see how I'm doing and everything. Well, he's one of your best and, friends, yeah. And, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, I'll probably be back in about two weeks. I have to, you know, see this. You know, I was thinking, like, two, it, this is a two-week thing. You thought you were good. Yeah, you know, what, yeah, it's just fine. And then it, it, this whole injury has just been 
you know, like I find out six months later, this is wrong. And then nine months later, you find out this is wrong. And I mean, literally up until like maybe six months ago, I was still finding out stuff was wrong because it just, with the brain injury, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a broken finger where it's okay. Yeah. Well, finger goes this way and now it goes that way. It's wrong. The, The brain injury is just, there's, there's so little that's understood about the brain and it just, there, there are these little things that happen that you wouldn't even recognize as a brain injury. That's how complex the brain is. People yeah. still don't fully grasp what it's capable of and what it affects. Yeah, absolutely. So when you got from your brain tumor, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you're, when you fell and injured your head, I'm assuming your head was uber sensitive. I was perfect, actually. Really? Like, I, I felt, I had felt better than I have ever felt in my life. So it's not like your brain was already in a certain condition and this just made it worse. All they did was take something that was where it didn't belong inside my head and remove the good portion, debulked it. So now it was no longer touching the brain. The brain is doing its own so you thing were, now. Even after you fell off the tree thing. Yeah. Yeah, you I, were was fine. Still, I, I was fine. So yeah. this caused a totally new. Yeah. Holy Yeah, this shit. is completely completely different animal. So what what I didn't mean to cut you off, but what, yeah. what what else happens? What do you start uncovering about your your condition and what what complications are you facing now because of this? Well, I I start I mean the classic concussion system um symptoms. I sensitivity to light, migraines, um nausea, dizziness, um it balance issues. Yeah, I, I was eyesight issues. It, it was yeah. I went. I ended up seeing a concussion specialist because we okay. knew it was a bad concussion, and yeah. you know he was. I, I saw him, and I was doing some rehab with him, and then I wasn't really responding that well. So now he's you know like, well, why don't you go see this specialist? So you know now I see this like neuro ophthalmologist, and okay. you know now, and that's how this whole thing has been. You, you go six months, and then they're like, okay, well yeah, it's not working, so we're going to see this specialist. And eventually, you're yeah, seeing yeah. specialists that are so specialized. It's like there's <laughs> you know there's one in this on the East Coast, that type of thing. So um, yeah, that kind of brings me up to the point where I, I'm doing all kinds of rehab and. You know, the, the, and I, I agree with doctors completely in this, this frame, you know, this thought process that, you know, let, let's do everything non-invasive, you know, do as much therapy as possible before we start having to cut you open and, and do things. Yeah. So, you know, I did as much therapy as possible. And then the, uh, the neuro ENT, the, the, the brain ear guy was just like, no, you, ha- you have these specific problems. It's a physical problem. You've done as much as you can do with therapy. So we're going to have to do surgery. And, um, you know, first surgery I had was a spinal fusion in my neck for a couple of vertebrae that got f- fucked up when I hit my head and my head snapped Jesus to one side. Christ. And then um, the next surgery was um, to, to do something in my right ear um, for the, you know, the inner ear system or, or the inner ear balance, vestibular system, whatever. And uh, unfortunately, the surgery didn't go well. I ended up going deaf in my right ear, and I lost the majority of the function of the um, inner ear on the right side. So, remember you telling me they had to fly in a specialist for you for this ear issue, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is what you have a device in your ear right here, right now. Yeah. What? What? What is the fuck? Is this the doctor that put that device in your ear? No, this is um, this is the doctor that caused that particular problem. Oh Uh, my god! So tell me what happened there. 
Um, what? When when the drill was being pulled out of my head, my head it hit something and put a hole where there wasn't supposed to be a hole. Come on, Scott. Basically, just you know, killed that side of the the inner ear. Are you fucking hearing, kidding yeah. me, dude? Yeah, that I, I I'll never forget waking up from that surgery. I've at that point I had done several surgeries and. You know, it's a routine thing for me now, but I woke up from that surgery and everything was different. It was, I mean, this was the beginning of where I am now, you know, Jesus as fucking messed Christ. up as I am. It was, I, 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 I can't even describe the type of hell that it was. It was, I, I mean, it was just minute by minute, just constant torment, pain, um, you know, to, to, to constantly feel like you're on a roller coaster uh, where your stomach is in your head and the the room is just continuously spinning. It's I like was, vertigo almost, right? It, it's it it is pure vertigo, and you you basically you kind of lose your gravity, so you don't your feel, equilibrium, yeah. And I mean, I was just thrown up constantly. I was just ba- I was just basically laying there in my own vomit because I couldn't. I was throwing up so much I couldn't get to the bag in time. Oh I, you know, the bags were full, so that that was my life for. Um, I don't know how many days, but it, it was a couple days like that. That was that was the worst point of my life where that's where nothing mattered. Jesus it, fucking Christ, dude. It was uh Yeah, that was that that was a that was a hell of an event. Uh, You're tearing me up right now. I'd like to avoid ever doing that again. Yeah. I would assume I, I can't believe that you, you went through all that after you know, after these two traumatic that's what's crazy about the whole thing is like what you went through earlier twice. You know the worst the worst part about that particular incident was I you know I remember we talked about before one one side effect of the surgery, you know, potential, you know, bad thing could, would be deafness and I remember when I woke up from surgery, I I was really fucked up, but I mean, I remember I I had this big head bandage on and everything and I, I couldn't hear out my right ear because I was all bandaged up, but I I could kind of like hum to myself and you can hear inside your head, you know, on the right side, you can hear the hum. So I did that and I was like, I remember thinking, oh, thank God, I still got my hearing. And um, like it was the next day, uh, I my wife had spoken to this new doctor or something and um he he said, yeah, based on what the CAT scan shows, your your husband is deaf right now. And I remember waking up one morning and I hummed and all of a sudden it sounded different. It was like really far away. And, and now I realized, I, and at the time I realized I was listening to my hearing go away. And oh it, it took about a year, God. or I mean, it took about a day for my hearing to completely go away. And there's this certain type of anxiety that you feel inside your chest when you realize something has happened or it's about to happen and you can't do anything about it. There's no stopping it. It's, I mean, it's like an end of the world. I mean, you know, you're losing one of your senses basically and you're watching it happen and you and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. That was, I, I mean, you know, you want to explode, but you can't, you, you can't possibly, vent the type of energy that you're feeling inside of your chest and everything and there's there's just nothing you can do and you know you just have to sit there and take it you're making me cry right now dude i'm trying not to do that i don't want to do that holy shit sorry nah man that's uh oh you made me cry for real oh my god yeah i'll never forget 
losing my hearing on the side and watching it happen. That's uh, like watching something you love die right in front of you. Oh, sorry. Sorry, that was I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> that good. was rough, hobby. That was rough. I never heard it like that. Oof. That's uh, a story I don't tell much. Yeah, I'm thankful that you told it. Uh, well, the one positive thing we could get... Now I'm really clogged. <laughs> I was clogged before, but now I'm like a toddler during fall season, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm so thankful that you're here telling me and you can hear right now. Yeah. I'm so thankful. Thank you to Sam Heiser. Oh, these, these headphones are great. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Oof. <sighs> so to say you've been through hell and back in my uh, intro was uh, pretty accurate. You know, the, the worst part, besides, obviously, besides losing my hearing on the right side, was the, the loss of balance. I yeah, mean, the equilibrium, right? Walking. Yeah. Like, I, I, I you remember, still have difficulty? Yeah, I, it, it's tricky for me sometimes. You'll get um, better. You'll get better. Well, can't get worse. I mean, <laughs> you can't hear it all out of your right ear. No, it's um, the only thing I get is like the sound of a hairdryer tinnitus. So I guess your brain is kind of like trying to understand why there's nothing coming in. So it makes and there's up no way we can get that back. No, the hearing's gone. There's. Um, I wonder if Neuralink could do that. Hey, I'll, in the I'll, future, I Elon will, Musk. Shout out, Elon. I'm first in line. I like, try it on me. I'm, I I'm, wonder. Yeah, there's these little hair cells in there in your ear that um, once they die, that's it. It's game over. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. So after after all said and done, with without saying too much, you know, you've been in a in a, in a legal battle, kind of. Yes. Yes. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. With, with 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 all the stuff that's been going on regarding said incident, and you're going to eventually be compensated tremendously. Yes. For uh, your troubles, that's all great and everything, but you know, it's like, it's almost like at what cost? Like, could you even put a price on the trauma you endured? You know. All I know is when I sit there and try to play guitar to to music, and I can't. It's hard because I only have one ear, and Come on. you know, it's just the. You're I destroying used, me. You're I used to be able to just sit there and just play the guitar and just, you know, like, you, you're not listening. You, you're just, you're in the moment. You're in that song. You're in that solo. And now it's, you know, I'm like, I'm not even focusing. I'm, I'm playing. I'm, I'm focusing on, can I hear the drummer? You know, can I, can, am I going to keep the beat? You know, it, it's, you know. It's it, hard for you now, isn't it, it? It makes it hard to sort of just sit there and just rip through a solo because, you know, you're, you're not thinking you're now the brain is funny because it's got a limited amount of resources and you know a normal person certain amount is for walking certain amount is for thinking and certain amount is for hearing but for me my brain is putting extra effort into understanding the hearing through the right ear because it's it's a foreign it's it's you know it's prosthesis it's not a part of this body so my brain like around five o'clock in the afternoon is just like yeah i'm done you know, that's when I get light sensitive, sound sensitive, just because yeah. my brain works so hard to hear. So to be to be playing music, and you're just you're working so hard to hear to make sure that you're in tempo, you're in tune, you're you know, you're, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it doesn't allow you to just sit back and just rip through 
solos and songs and all kind I can still play, but it's you know it's not the same. <sighs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Do you still actively try though? I do. Um I go in spurts. Uh, I haven't played in a while. But uh yeah, I mean I do. I'll I'll, I'll try. I I, I know that you were passionate about that. Yeah, I mean there's nothing. I, I love the guitar. It's everything about the guitar is just like you know, it's your fingers are directly attached to a note, a sound, and you know what you do with your your finger changes that sound. And yeah. if you do it just right, I mean, you 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 scratch this itch that's just like, yeah. oh, you know, it's yeah. And you know that that's music. It's um, you know, it's not like punching punching the keys on a calculator. It's you know, it's you you are attached to sound, and it's if you put that sound in the right spot. Or don't put the sound in the right spot. You know, it's you. You can evoke an emotion. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's just like that. That's so organic. It's um, it's beautiful. Nauseating. Yeah, yeah. It's nauseating. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, at least at least in a way, there there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, like at what point during the course of all this stuff over over the years, um. Your daughter Bella Bella comes into play. She, she was born right at the same. T- well, we talked about it before, but yeah, twenty eighteen. She was twenty eighteen. I'm sure she was the driving force in your motivation and your spirit, continuing not to give up. Would you say that that's accurate? There's, um, I don't know if if you don't have children, I don't know if you can understand this, but when you realize that. You are the world to this little girl. Like I, I lost my father in 2013, and I'm sorry. There's, man. I appreciate that. That uh, you know, it's it's life. Um, yeah, my mom in 2009. Ugh, I already hear that. Yeah. That's parents. You know, parents is you are so much to a person as a parent. It's I mean, crazy, right? Their, Isn't it weird? You are their world. It, you're the comfort that you are their world that that feeling of home I mean you talked about me living in my house you know my home where I was I grew up that your parents are your home I mean that's where you feel accepted and yeah. you're safe yeah. and I'm that for my daughter and for her not to have that at you know in 2020 at age two I just or you know three age three I, I how could you do that? You know, yeah. to your job yeah. and my my drive is to be her home, her warmth, her acceptance. Of course, yeah. You know, that's and there, there's no drive greater. I, I don't I don't know that I don't think there is any drive greater than to you know be a parent to a child. You could almost say Bella saved your life. Yeah, she did for sure, and, and you know, and Don obviously. Yeah, that's not to take away from our wives, but there's nothing like the love of your own seed. You. You can't describe it. You can't. Um, you don't answer to anybody. You don't answer yourself anymore. Yeah. You, you answer to your child, basically. Yeah. Because it, it, it's crazy, right? It's your you responsibility to to do everything you can for them to to give them the yeah. best shot at success and happiness, and you know you 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 have no choice to yeah to but do that. That's it's what you do and. You know, it's not like a duty that you know. 
It's not like we, you know, wake up in the morning. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Check it off the list. No, it's you. It's it's an emotional, it's instinctual, familial. Yeah. It's it, it's in our blood to do that. Yeah. And there, you can't not do that. So I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, you get it. I know. Yeah, it's totally different when you see your kids smile. I know, right? It, it, it's like wow. So this is this is what I was put on this planet for. Like or, it almost all makes sense. Or they get scared, or something hurts. They cry and come to you, and they, yeah. they melt in your arms because you're going to save them. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a feeling you definitely cannot describe. I mean, could you like could you imagine like today like having that moment where ah fuck the mortgage man you know I can't afford it but you could go you know you can melt in the arms of your your parent or whatever and yeah. just you know not have that problem anymore. I mean that's yeah, how it is for a kid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, never thought about it that way. Yeah, it's it's a feeling you can't describe. You can't definitely can't put it in words. Yeah, man. You know, so at, le- at least like after all that you've been through, which is <laughs> it's indescribable. But there's there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I don't know. You've been through so much, man. It's 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 tough to really talk about. You know, that's probably the best part of all this. Is um, the fact you know to make light out of all of this situation is that you get to spend more time with your daughter now. That's probably the best part of all this. My life consisted of doing, you know, three times the amount of work at home just to get everything done in the morning hours. Go to work, you know, work overtime so yeah. that Dawn could stay home and take care of Isabella. And you know, we didn't want to put her in daycare, so that was. The, you know, I worked the jobs that could make the overtime so I could support her. And that's what we did. And, you know, at night I would go to work and sometime around, you know, whenever I would get to, you know, between trains, I would call home, say goodnight to Isabella, say the stuff that I usually say. And you I know, remember that was, I, mean, I was there you, when you, you heard, used to call her. Yeah, yeah. I, remember. I was there. I was there after all that. And, you know, that, that was, and, and now I, you know, I, I can, do the nighttime routine, shower her, get her ready for bed. Put her to bed, yeah. I I could be the last thing she sees before she goes to sleep. It's a good thing, isn't it? There's no... You can't describe it. I mean, Isabella is growing up in a world where her father doesn't work. You know, I'm home, I'm on disability now. Uh, She's she's home with two parents because Dawn's still at home. Which is beautiful. And, yeah, so she doesn't, she's not growing up in this world where, you know, I I grew up where my mom worked during the day and then my dad worked his his teaching job. And then at night he came home from his job and and went to a second job as a security guard. Jesus. And, you know, and then on the weekends we were together and we did stuff and, you know, that that was my life. You know, my parents worked their asses off so I could do what I needed to do. but. Isabella, fortunately, you know, has me at home to play horses with her and, and cars yeah. and, you know, go on walks and do stuff. And I, I just, yeah, I can't even imagine, like, what, how, it, it would have been so awesome for me to be with my dad all the time. I know. You know, he's gone now. And I would kill for another second with him. I you know. know. I feel you, man. You're going to make me cry again. <laughs> I'm trying not to. I don't want to. Holy shit. I we can't can handle this podcast. Stupid. This is the hardest podcast I've ever made it through, dude. But like, Holy I, you know, shit. I get to have so many more hours with my daughter as a part of her life. So that's. Yeah. No, you, you can't. Know. You can't. That's the one. The one thing that I could say that I'm thankful most about it, about the railroad is you can make your own hours. Yeah, essentially, man. With, yep. with enough time, with yep. enough seniority, if you will. 
Yeah. So, you know, I get to be with my son during the day. My, me and my wife have opposite schedules, which kind of affects yeah. our bonding. Yeah, of course. It's good because for the first two and a half years of my son's life, I was with him all day before work at the beginning. Yep. So I was with him seven, eight hours a day. That's seven, six in the morning till I went to work at four. And that's what matters. You're and there. Yeah, he, he knows his daddy. Yep. And then at night, he would see his mom. So it's like he really knows his parents. And I do notice a significant difference in him on the weekend. Yeah. When we're together, he loves us both together. That's cool. And now your daughter gets to experience that. Yeah. And most kids, you know, it's not their fault, but parents have to make a living to support the kid. And some parents don't have that luxury. Yeah. So I guess I would consider you and I very lucky in that aspect. Absolutely. To be able to be there for our, you know, our seeds. Yeah. And they get to really spend time with their parents because, you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to be like, you know what? My parents were there for me. Yeah. And, and it's not the shit on parents that can't because it's not their fault. They have to make a living. I'm just fortunate. You know, we're both fortunate that yeah. we, can, we can do what we do. And Absolutely. I mean, you went through fucking hell, though, dude. <sighs> eh. You went through hell, but you're, you're such a resilient man. <laughs> you're such a strong... I don't know how you did it, dude. I really... If I had a hat on my fucking head, I'd tip it to you a hundred times. You know, at a certain point, you I guess I don't I don't want to call it rock bottom, but it, it's you know, when you're sitting there and having, you know, EMTs cut your clothes off and you're laying yeah. there naked on a table with your clothes and shreds around you because you know, once again, here you are and you know, you're exposed to the world basically. Yeah. And and you're like, whatever, you know, it is what, it, when you can sit there laying on a table naked and fucked up in front of a bunch of strangers yeah. and just accept it as well, you know, this is where we're at right now. That's, yeah. you know, you can sort of handle anything because it, you know, stripping away that, like that dignity or the, yeah. there, there's something about people that just like, you know, once you, you, you tear them down to just the bare bones yeah. where you, you know, you know, you lay, you're laying naked in front of a bunch of people with your. It's clothes. a vulnerability it's, that you can't describe. Yeah. You know, once you you're there, it's just like you know what else you know. I know. <laughs> you know, know you can't. There, there's you know, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So now that, now that the meat and potatoes, if you will, is out of the way, and I want to move on to uh, some of your highlighted accomplishments. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to slightly backtrack. So in, in the year 2013, if I'm getting the year correct, I'm pretty bad with timelines. But uh, you were briefly a part-time associate editor of yeah. Railroad Model Craftsman. Best when, magazine in the world. When, when you were still on the railroad, you yeah. were still juggling the two. How did that gig come about in the beginning? I had been a freelance author um, for that magazine since like 2000. I would okay. write articles, send them in, and they would publish them. And yeah, that's that's how the model railroad magazines work, basically. You oh, know, that's they, cool. They, and you know that was cool. And then I, I did it enough where the editorial crew they 
the one the editor was retiring, so they were looking at bringing somebody on board, not ah, to replace him, somebody fresh, but just just sort of like to bolster the forces. So you know, yeah. they they tapped me on the shoulder. They said, how, "You know, how would you like to do this?" And I'm like, "Well, that you know that that's like well, it's your dream job." I've been yeah, reading this magazine since the mid '80s, like when I first got into model rarity. You know, I saw old. You know, there's a magazine about this. Great, and yeah, you know, so, so I grew up with like like. You know, marveling at the page of this magazine, and now I'm an associate editor. I'm like, this, wow. this is insanity. This surreal, yeah. And you know, now I'm meeting manufacturers. I'm going to industry shows. You know, representing the magazine. You know, hey, no I'm Scott, you know, Scott Loop, you know, from from Carson's Publications, Rare Model Craftsman. And that was the coolest thing in the world. I loved it. Wow. Yeah, that was good stuff. That must have been fucking wild. How long did you do that for? Um, I, I still do it. I still write articles. Um, oh, you still work for them? Oh, almost. I'm not associate editor anymore. They uh, the the publisher went out of business, and the magazine was bought by a different publishing company. So that's when we, and that was around the time of the brain tumor. So I, I kind of couldn't. Oh, I, okay. So that was back in like oh oh thirteen or fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Oh, so shit. I. I I, you know, the, the new company was reaching out to me. To, they wanted to bring a lot of the staff on board, obviously, for you know obvious reasons. But I, I just couldn't at that point with my health and everything. That makes sense. That's why you were only associate editor from 13 to 14 yeah. because of said conditions. Oh, okay. So now yeah. it's all making sense to me now. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So then, you know, it's a, now I just yeah, I write articles from time to time. and oh, that's cool. Yeah. You oh, know what's funny is before this podcast... I didn't know that you wrote this book because you never, like I said, you always played the background. <laughs> yeah. So I found out about it like five days ago. Oh, I was really? Like, shit. So I found a guy cool. on eBay that had your book. Oh, that's cool. And I wanted to get it here so you could sign it for me. <laughs> I could have given you one. I got like a couple of uh, I want to support. <laughs> so I tried to get it here and he said it wouldn't, you know, the post office already left. It wouldn't have made it there in time. So I was like, all right, fuck you, you fucking. Buff. I, I live a half hour from here. He ain't a we'll real train enthusiast. He would have made a half. I said, listen, I'm going to have Scott on as a podcast guest. I would like to have his book here with him. And he gave he it a whole run around. That dude was probably 60 and over the hill. What a douche. Stroking an angle cock. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> a Pet, miniature one at that. Petting the mushroom. He's probably got the whole fucking Susquehanna in his basement. <laughs> Squirting fucking loads on the fucking hedges. Oh, see, now we're talking about loads. <laughs> well, you got to dig it there. It's almost <laughs> right. Anyway, after you did that, in 2020, which I had no idea about because you were already out. Yeah. Uh, at the start of the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, 2020 was the beginning, uh, you came out with a book. Yeah. Which is the one I was talking about just now that I was trying to get a hold of, Paint and Detail Railroad Models with Scott Lupia. Yeah, man. How did that whole thing come to fruition? It's funny. Um, what an accomplishment that is. Dude. I appreciate that. Uh, the editor of Rare Model Craftsman magazine, um, back at that time, uh, you know, Otto, that's the editor, he, was, uh, he, he wasn't the editor. He did something else. But he had said to me on like a message, a Facebook Messenger or something, he was like, hey, you know, I want to do a book, and it's going to basically be like the best of Scott Lupia. And I was like, yeah, that's great, Otto. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's never going to happen. So he was there's a fan no, of you. There's no uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, of I'm your like, work. you know, I you, people tell you stuff all the time. Oh, I'm going to do this and do that. You know, they don't do it. But so I, and I'm like, this is too good to be true. So, yeah, I, you know, if, if it happens, great. But I, you know, I'm, I'm going to forget about this as soon as you know, as soon as that we stop talking because yeah. it's not going to happen. 
And um, like sometime in 2020, Otto was like, yeah, I got the green light to do it. Let's start getting material together. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> you, you were serious about that. Like, I, I you know, yeah. okay, great. And so, you know, we put a lot of material together and he put the book out. And I mean, I'm just like, that's, I wish my dad was here to see that. That's, that's one of the big regrets because, you know, my, my dad was like my biggest supporter. Uh, you know, he wanted to see you do well. But, and it, yeah. I, I'll never forget the first article I wrote. Like, you know, he knew trains was my hobby and stuff. But my dad was like a very financial minded guy. So if, okay. if it made you money, it was good. Okay. But, you know, hobbies, they're hobbies. That That's for fun. So trains. But when I, I wrote an article and I got paid and I showed him the check. I'm like, look, Dad, I, I wrote an article and they paid me for it. That was the moment he realized, like, those model trains can There's make a future money. Here. Yeah. So, so at that point, he was like, that, you know, cool. And, you know, so obviously, you know, I, I would love for him to have seen. I mean, well, first of all, for, nobody in my family has ever opened their own business or anything like that. So okay. I would have loved for him to see, hey, dad, I'm a business owner. I mean, that's just yeah, like, yeah. that's nuts. I'm still surprised that I am. Of course, I'm, you know, yeah. Technically retarded, but. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I wish you know, I wish he could see that you know. Hey, Dad, here's my book. I mean, that, I know. that's like Isn't that the worst part of it all. I know. Don't but, you wish? Like my mom, the same thing. I wish she could see all this. Now nah, he, you know what? He knows. I, I, I know yeah. he knows. Um, I, I, you know, with the empath thing, I, all, all that energy and everything. I yeah. know he knows. So I believe that's it, cool. Hundred percent. You, know. you can't when it comes to energy and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's inexplainable. That's, yeah, it's, it is, you know, it is. Yeah. How long did you did it take you to write that book? That was tough because this book was ongoing when I had my accident at work. So, Which one? Um, the, oh, the, the, um, the last the one. Last one the, the final, final one. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I had gotten Otto a lot of material, but, you know, now here I am with this head injury where, you know, I, I can't write. You know, that's, I'm not working on a computer. That's not happening. Well, I, you're not you know, mentally there, yeah. I can't, you know, sentences are, you know, questionable sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah. so now I'm sitting here trying to get auto material and stuff while I'm like this. You know, fortunately, it's, you know, I wasn't working. So, you know, when I was home and I had the moment here, you know, my, my wife helped me with a ton of that stuff. Oh, great. You know? Great. So, great. you know, we were able Shout to, out Dawn. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it's probably like a year, two years worth of getting Process. stuff together. And it was funny cause it's a lot uh, of work making a book, yeah, dude. I thought we were done and you know, Otto had gone to the publisher, like looking for. He wanted to get like nine more pages or something like that, and the publisher misunderstood and thought it was like twenty nine. So he okayed like twenty nine more pages. And Otto's like, oh, we need like three more chapters. I'm like, oh, fuck me. Oh man. You know, but it 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 worked out really really well, and I, I I'm so proud of that book. It's uh, I can't wait to. I fucking tried to get it in time. I would have I would have had it if I knew years ago, <laughs> but I didn't know. Yeah, I'm not a train model guy, so yeah. So I, I, I I tried to look up like model shops in the area, and I'm like, I wonder if they have them, but I'd have to call them all and like Kendall Hobbies. He's got a copy. Where Rich, Rich has a copy. Kendall Hobbies on 46 by Dover. He's got a copy right now by Dover. Yeah, Richie's my if friend. If I can make it out there next week, I'll go grab it. He's he's been my friend forever. That that was like Kendall Hobbies was like how many pages is it? 120 something, 130 oh, wow. something. Like and that. it's all pictures of your yeah. models that you built yeah. yourself. Yeah, chapters on different I models. And I need you to, to sign it. Stuff. it. I will do that. I need you to sign it, man. You know, I'm happy you're doing well. 
I'm happy you've overcame some of the most like horrendous, horrendous obstacles imaginable. You were able to come out on the positive end, you know? Yeah. And you were able to knock out some of the bucket list accomplishments all at one swoop almost, you know? At the same time, simultaneously, which is fucking crazy. But, you know, I don't, I've experienced nothing. I, I used to, when I, was, when I was running a train, there was a children's hospital by the tracks on this one line, and I'd be running my train, and I would look over, and it you know, says the name of the hospital, and this is the children's hospital next to it. And I would be thinking about all those kids in there that are like, you know, battling, can't, like, you know, anything that a From kid like would be birth. in a hospital for. And, at, you know, I'm just like, that's like, no kids. I, I, I would take 10 of what I've had to deal with so one kid doesn't have to deal with, you know, what they have to deal with. And, you know, I would look at that. And so I, I'm just like, you know. You're going to make me cry fucking six times in this podcast. Dude. It's, it's, it's oh true, though. God. This is nothing compared to know, what some, some little kids are dealing with. And, you know. You know what's funny about you is if people came across you during just popped up on the job and worked with you during your pranking stages, they would have no idea the heart that you possess. I did the most juvenile stuff too. But you have such a big heart at the same time. I guess you can call you extreme. Yeah. On either end of the spectrum. I'm like a five-year-old. You're making me cry tonight. Like I've never cried during a podcast. I'm crying. I've got the heart of like a a five-year-old kid that sucks. But you're fucking ruthless too with your pranks. Trying your pranks are rough. They you put Will through shit. It's funny because every now and then the corporate would send out some of these memos on like hazing and and stuff and like you know harassment in the workplace and I'm like this is like this whole entire (laughs) memo like this is a, a typical day for us. Uh, you're 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 fucking shot. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> so, I have a surprise for you. Uh oh. So, I cannot close out this podcast because I'm a man of 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 passion. I love passion. I love people that are driven by things that they love. I'm a product of it, you know. So, I cannot close out this podcast without bringing up something that. We haven't mentioned tonight at all, but it's something that I know that you are deeply passionate about, and it would mean the world to me to bring up something that you love. You know what I mean? That's so. In that case, I have to, before we dive into it, okay, I'm going to give the, the listeners an example of what, I'm, what I mean. That's right. I had to do it, dude. I'm gonna oh. give a little bit, let it run a little bit, and then I'll and then I'll black it up. I need a vibe session real quick. This is so good.
wish I wish I could play the whole thing, oh. man. That was so good. I was rocking out. I was playing along with. That's one of my favorite songs. I, I, to play I gotta the be guitar. honest with you. While that was playing, I could I could your eyes were completely closed and you were just. That's why I had to play that right now. That's because I know it's something you love. That song is one of I, I don't know. There's. You know, it, it, this was back. Obviously, this, this is band, Ghost the band listeners. Ghost. This is called Ghost. The song's called the Ritual, song Ritual. By the way, the, I mean, back like I don't know, 2012 or whatever, when the song came out. I mean, this is like 2012 now. I mean, I, I just you know to hear them play that. It, it's different now, but it's got the same heart. I love playing that song on the guitar. That is, that's one of the ones that I just when I pick up a guitar, that is the first thing I play because oh, it's man. just rocking I'm glad out I played to it. it. I mean, that's. You know, that's you'll see me sitting there. Play, my eyes are closed, and your know, head's doing the Stevie Wonder. I'm all over the place, dude. I I couldn't do this podcast, even though it kind of has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It has everything to do with what we're talking about because it, it has it, it embodies who you are. When I think of this band, whenever anybody mentions Ghost, I think of you. People give they shit all over this band now because oh, they're you great. Know, Fuck, that. I know they are. They that song is great. The um. The, the actual like the man behind Ghost, Tobias Forge, the the singer. He's he is the band. I when I saw them back in 2018 or something like that, Rats on the Road tour. In the middle of one of the songs, you know, they strip it down to the bass, guitar, and drum, and and Tobias is talking, and you know, he's doing his little speech. He's just trying to like you know letting people know that there is hope. And I, I remember him saying like you know you gotta feel. You got to feel the pain so that you know what the good feels like. And when you feel the good, you know how good it is. Because if wow. you never had the pain, you'd never know. And, wow. you know, he's, and, but that's what this band is. It's such a positive, like, it's the, the band fan base is so welcoming, such a great community. The music is just, the mu- I mean, shit, I had like, four guitars and I ended up buying six more because like I had to tune them in D <laughs> standard more. just so I could play the song, the, all their songs. And I love stuff. it, and dude. I love it. I love it. Oh, I, I love this band. This band is just, I could, I couldn't do this. You know, when I was, yeah. when I was structuring this and how I wanted to go about doing it, I was like, you know, this is a podcast for Scott. You know, we're talking about all this stuff that like all the trials and tribulations he went through. There's no way I could do it without bringing out something that he loves so much. And that's why I asked you, what is your favorite ghost song? Oh, God. Yeah, well, and that's a hard, obviously a hard question. Of course. Question that's a good one. You know what's funny is I listened to a couple of their trending songs yeah. that are like the top two on Apple Music. That's a different animal than what you just heard. So I listened to them, and I'm like, they're all right. I'm like, Scott, what's your favorite song? When you told me I listened, I said, ah, this I like. I love that song, dude. I sent you this video a long time ago of um, Ghost playing a show in in New York City somewhere. And Their was, sets uh, are magical. Oh god, there it's yeah, it's the whole cathedral setting, and it's dude. just the lighting is just insanity. I mean, it's it's a very cool band with a very cool theme, and their stage presence and their sets. You know, you know what they remind me of, and they're totally a different band than them, but. I'm talking about every little minute detail that they put into their, their their work, their costume, their theme, the stage presence. Guar. Yeah. They remind me of, yeah. of not because they're the same, yeah. but because of the effort they put forth. Tobias is very meticulous about every aspect of the show, the music, 
I mean, everything. So, yeah, it's it, it's kind of like I used to love wrestling, WWF wrestling. Oh, back but when they fucked WWE. And, and that's kind of like what this band is. I mean, it's musical. Yeah. The music is very good. But there's a great story that goes along with it. There's characters. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you don't fall in love with, you know, the band member, whoever it is that plays guitar. You, you end up falling in love with the character that they are on stage. Yes. And he replaces his musicians on stage, you know, from tour to tour. Oh, some does stay, he? Some, yeah, that's not the same band. That That's different oh, people. I mean, some have stayed from tour to tour, but. What about the studio musicians? Are they all the same? They are. They are They're studio musicians. Yeah. They so are. he has a certain people that he plays in the studio yeah. with. That's yeah. fucking inch. Because usually that doesn't have the case. He doesn't bring his um, stage performers into the studio for albums because that would give them a sense. If they Get were the on the album, they become the they become sort of like a part of the music. That's so that interesting. So it's sort of like a favoritism. So he he pays hires musicians to come in and play for the albums. You learn something every day. Yeah, I know it's a different approach. It's, it's I know a unique that. approach. Yeah. Now his lyrics are. With all due respect, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But I don't think he leans them in a literal sense. No. It's um It's it, a show. It, but it, it's a beautiful show. I mean, originally it was like a one liner, a satanic band, you know. But he's see. not satanic. He's But now it's more of um I mean, Tobias has disdain for organized religion, understandably so, with all the nonsense that, you know, the Catholic guilt and all the Do stuff you that blame goes him? with it. But um you know he what he does now he refers to it as comedy and comedy was like the the like the the nemesis of organized religion like yeah, you yeah. can't you know happiness and you know joy and stuff that's bad you know you need guilt and all this stuff so you know what he does now it, it's like a sort of, it's a comedy it's you know sort yeah. of like that theatrical whatever but i think it's fucking fantastic the shows are amazing. I, dude, I, if, if any of you listening don't know who we're talking about, the band is called Ghost. Please go listen to them. I think they're fantastic. Don't take their lyrics too literal. <laughs> I don't think he's actually a satanic devil worshiper. Not not like the sat- Satanist that you, you know, like the you no. see on TV. No, you know, no, the, no. it's nothing like that. But I remember like I had to bring it up because I know you're so passionate <laughs> about that and, and, and my life is driven on nostalgia and passion. So I know that you care about them so much. I had to bring it up for the for, for, the- for me to take this music and put it on my arm here. Oh, I never noticed that. And here. No- oh, wow. And here. Oh, and, that makes me feel here. even better that I played it today for you. Yeah, I... I, I that music means it's more to me than oh, you know I'm, what it is. It's, so I did the right thing then. Oh hell yeah! I'm glad. I'm glad I did that, man. I could see when I played it, ladies and gentlemen, his eyes were closed the entire time I played that 30, 40, 50 second clip, whatever it was. It's that that I music. It. I mean, just it, you that's know. a good song. Listen, I told you I listened to the top songs, yep. and I'm like, it's all right. But then when you gave me yours, I'm like, ah, I like this. How yeah. many times have you seen them so far? Oh. Um, Three, um, actually four. Yeah, four, four, four times. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Ghost album? That's a good. You know what? I'm. I'm this is probably unpopular, but the latest one in Para. 
Really? I think it really, really... They're, late, they're latest. Yeah, it really shows... Um, you think they've really matured and graduated to a point where it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that, that album, from if you listen from to it from start to finish, it, you know, it starts with the song Imperium, which is a little guitar intro, and the last song on the album, Respite on the Spitalfields, ends in that same melody, the way it, it outros with that melody. I mean, it's just like... you. That's one of those albums that you can just put on and just... You know, float around in the pool, listen to it's. You know, it's, I gotta listen to it now. I never oh, heard hell it. Hell yeah, absolutely. Oh, I gotta, I sure. gotta do it now. I love their aesthetic. I will say, like I, I just, said, I remind them the Guar. I love their aesthetic too. Have, like, even though Ghost is different, but have I sent you the pictures of me dressed up as Papa Maris I, I, three? I was gonna bring it up. Pa- you okay. have the outfit and everything. Hell yeah! Did I, you ever? Did you ever buy those action figures I sent you? Um, I have, let's see, I have a couple of the action figures, yeah. I, oh, good, good, good. I, I, it's still cool. They, when I first saw Super 7 drop those, I was like, I got to send them to him, the reaction yeah. figures. They're, it's so cool. I mean, it's just, oh, God, it's, you know, the, the, I, I, I totally vibe with the musicians. They, they call them the nameless ghouls. You know, they're, they're just. Oh, do they? They're, yeah, they're, they're nameless, basically. You know, they, they just, they wear the same outfit, the, the outfit, they wear the same mask. You can't, you know, they're nameless. Yeah. And each album cycle, they've had different outfits and stuff. So I, I have a few of them. From when they were really menacing looking, and you know they have this like sort of yeah. like de- this silver devil mask, which is just I don't know I how they play. Of you wearing them? Oh, do you have the picture of me wearing it work in the MU? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, <laughs> this was great. I was. Um, I don't have that one. Yeah, I was. I was working. It was one of those weekend jobs, and uh, you know, we're just. It's late night train, like two o'clock in the morning. Well, I, I put this this mask on that this ghost nameless cool mask, and I was wearing it in the in the train at some point, and somebody <laughs> got it. He saw, he saw me on from the platform, and he steps on the train, and he's looking through. He's looking down the aisle, looking. <laughs> I, I looked out at him, and he like ran into a seat and hit. He, it's just so so juvenile on my part, but no, what the fuck you gotta, you do? that's the one thing about the railroad is, is is you have to have a certain mentality that the normal person doesn't and possess. The beauty of it is nobody gives a shit what happens as no. long as that train made it from one end to the other and nobody complains. You can do whatever the fuck you want, and literally, basically, yeah. And the later it is at night, the more you can get away with. Nah, you got a point there, and you got I a mean, point there. The, the stuff that the stuff that we did, it's you know I don't know exactly how much I can say at this point. I mean, yeah, I'm not an employee anymore. I guess it doesn't matter, but, but I uh, am. Yeah, <laughs> I still am. So I got to keep it PG to a certain extent. Oh my god, it was. Yeah, it's a wild place. Maybe one day, one day I'll do a podcast touching on like what I've seen and all that. It's oh, fucking. It's a wild place. You you could go on for for hours about. That type of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fucking really wild place. I'm glad I got to play that though. Uh, Seeing you enjoying that audio clip, that really that really made everything come together, and that was a really great cap to uh. You know that that's just your journey. That's one of those songs where you know I can just close my eyes and my fingers just move around on the fretboard from st- they know where they have to go and. You know, it's one of those things where you can just sort of... You I can tell it was muscle memory. You don't have to worry about the mechanics of playing. You can just sort of slip into the music and just yeah. be part of it. And that that's like... I, I mean, that's like the most... When you hit that point as, as a musician where you just sort of slip into the melody yeah. and it's just like, oh, that's just... I can tell. As yeah. soon as I played it, you just went into a certain trance. And I could just see the eyes closed and muscle memory take effect. It was yep. great. It was beautiful. It was magical. I'm glad I got to 
I'm so happy I decided to do this. I'm going to go home and play that now. You're killing me. <laughs> so happy. Well, thank you, Scott, for coming by. We all miss you back at work like tremendously. I can't even describe to you how much I miss you, man. I'm proud of you, man. You are, you are, that. You are one tough cookie. You're I probably t- the toughest cookie I ever met. We got to do this again. Oh, hell sometime. yeah. About more positive things, you know? Uh, there's there's a lot coming up. There, of there's course. definitely a lot coming up. And, uh, you know, I look forward to. I'm looking forward. I can't wait. I can't wait till your daughter gets to experience what you have cooking. You know, thank you for coming. Take care. And uh, until next time, Scott. Thank you for the hibiki. Oh, you need that. The hibiki's (laughs) fine. I'm I'm pretty drunk right now, to be honest. (laughs) Take care. Have a good one. All right, man.